All right, welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host Toby Morris. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Philly's finest, Mr. Dave Haas. How hey, are buddy. you? I'm great. Thanks How are for you? Being here. Thanks for having me, man. And congratulations on six years of sobriety. Yeah, that just passed a couple days ago. I'm. It's a. Uh, it's crazy. There's more time spent sober than I was ever in any one band. Wow. <laughs> Which is kind of a trip. Holy shit. Yeah. And um, I, I saw today too. They announced. That you're playing some shows with the Abbott Brothers, and I heard that's a big deal. Yeah, they're very popular. They're Jake like told a, me. Jake told me to mention that. Too. Oh, how's Jake doing? He's doing great. That's he's doing great. great. Is he here? Nah, he's in uh, I think Idaho or somewhere. Oh, is he? Okay. I so he loves him. you. He said that's him. a big deal for you to do that. He said these same the same group of people, Abbott Brothers. They played on a boat and they played Madison Square Garden. Oh yeah, they're a very very popular band. They, I guess Judd Apatow made a movie about them. Uh, really? And put it on HBO. HBO, I think. So oh, you wow. could, they're a good story. They're they're um they're great band and and they're brothers. So that okay. there's like a connection for me. Yeah, because you're in the band with your brothers too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's it'll awesome. be fun. We're playing Philly with them, and uh, that's sort of right around when we start rolling out my next record. And we're in Philly. What venue is a big venue? Yeah, the Man Music Center. That's a big deal, right? Oh man, I've seen. I saw Amy Grant there when I was a little kid. Amy Grant, I remember her because <laughs> my parents were into uh, you know Christian music. What was your big song, Amy Grant? Baby, 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 baby. Remember really, that? that's her. That's her. Wow. Yeah, that was a smash. Yeah, it was sponsored by Tree Torn Shoes. Remember those like little? Uh, I know. Shoes? You said she's Christian. It was Christian. Yeah, music? yeah. It was oh, Christian wow. music. And then, like later in life, I went to see the Arcade Fire there. I've seen mm. REM there. Like, I mean, it's like the, official. Well, it's like the Greek for Philly. Okay. So it's like where you'd go to see six or seven. I saw Oasis there. Yeah. What year was that? Oasis show was probably fucking love Oasis 2009 or something. Damn. Yeah, they played there with uh, who was it? It was Matt Costa. So my buddy Mitchell was playing with them. You big fan of Oasis? Yeah, love. The I doc, mean, yeah. not quite as like I'm not like fanatic. Like you know how people know everything about them. Yeah, my friend does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not to that level, but I do love Oasis. Yeah. So that'd be a sick reunion. Yeah, I think I think it's it could happen, happen, right? Maybe I mean like a yeah. Coachella or some shit. I don't know. Probably, but they could probably just play Mexico City on their own and and not even worry. They could play about anywhere, actually. Yeah, right. Um, right. But yeah, so so it'll be fun to play the Man Music Center. I mean, it's one of those like as a Philadelphian, like you you want to play there when you're a little kid. Yeah, some bucket list shit type. Yeah, okay, for sure. So I'm excited. It's that's a, that's great, that's man. It's gonna be fun. So and, so you born and raised in Philly? Yeah, born and raised in Philly. Um, in a little neighborhood named Roxboro, just, just outside of the city. Well, it's inside the city limits, but outside of like the downtown area. So it's a working class neighborhood. Uh, my dad's still there. My brother bought a house there a couple years ago. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and then, but the, the odd thing about my upbringing was how Christian it was. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, man. It was like. Just you and your brother? No, we have three sisters between us. Wow. Family of five. Yeah. So, um. It was every two years, essentially, there was there was a kid until Tim. There was an eight-year gap. Okay. So, um, yeah, we have 15 years between us. Wow. So, it's a, it's a that part of the story is, is, is probably, you know, one of the most compelling parts. Like, for you, you know, you're, you're a family guy. You're yeah. A guy who's, so, Tim comes along. I'm 15. I'm starting to get into trouble. And, but I never had a brother, you know, so yeah. suddenly I have this little brother. So this kind of pulled me back to the family unit a little bit. I you like know, I that. Like, oh, I want to, I want to be around this little baby, but there was this gap obviously. So 
you know, I could show them stuff. I could bring them music. I could, you know, show them skateboarding and things like that. And then, um, our mom died of cancer in, in, when he was 11. Wow. So it was just when I was starting the loved ones. Um, how old was your mom? How old was she? She was only 49. Jesus, man. Yeah. So she, Tim's 11. All my sisters are in their early twenties and I was about 26 or 27. And I just started this band. I was, you know, probably drinking too much as it was. And then had this huge sadness, you know, had this huge, uh, uh, trauma kind of thing. And so spent a lot of years touring with that band and, uh, sort of in the wilderness, you know, like emotionally and spiritually. And then Tim goes through high school. He's going to Temple University some years later Yeah. and he calls me up and I was about to put out my second solo record. And he was like, yeah, I don't know about this college thing. I'm not that into it. And I go, well, I've got a 66 show North American tour. Jesus. (laughs) I remember those long ass tours. It was so long. It was the beginning of 2014. It was essentially the first quarter of the year. And I was like, why don't you come out and you'll either love or hate touring. Yeah. In 66 shows, 10 weeks, you're going to know. And so he came out, he learned a couple things, uh, you know, on piano, he learned a couple songs on guitar. And basically I was like, well, you've got to learn the ropes too. You got to learn loading in and being on time and all this stuff. So the, the first, shit we learned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the first couple of weeks he hated it. It was the first show was in January. It was, a, um, it was at the Asbury park. It was a sold out show, Asbury lanes with no heat. The heater broke. Damn. In so, January. Yeah, so that's brutal. his first show. And he's like, so he's like shivering trying to play the piano. Wow. He's like, he's like what is this? Like, <laughs> this is what you've been up to for the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, this like, is fun. This is fun. Yeah. So we go through and, and the tour routes through Canada and we end up, you know, he's like, I don't know about this. This sucks. Canada it's in so, January is brutal. Oh, too. It's brutal. And we finally get out to the West coast and he's like super into nature. And we we saw a bald eagle like in the wild. Damn. And he was like, you could see him like switch. He was like, holy shit, I just saw a bald eagle. I'm from Philadelphia. Like <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he was like, all right, cool. And he started to kind of get into it. And then we come down the coast. We go through through California. We we went through South by Southwest, which I was, at that point I was like, get me out of here. And he was like, this is great. There's free yeah. shit and Snoop Dogg and Soundgarden. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was yeah. like super into it. And, and I guess the bug kind of bit him and, uh, and he's been with me ever since we, we, awesome. we wrote the next three records together. You know, the, the, all the records that came since he started writing with me cause yeah. I could tell he had this like immense talent and there's just something about playing with, with your brother and, and oh, your I know, yeah. it's just so joyful and making music with them, writing songs. is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think like looking back, I, I do think having him there and knowing that I had to be the big brother helped me think about getting sober and stuff like like mm. you don't want to be a, a mess with your little brother. Yeah, he's supposed to be the role model, yeah. Exactly. So I think over time, it was about a year later that I, I stopped drinking and, and drugging. About a year after I brought him out on tour, I was like, yeah, I'm going to try this. And then it was so it was so sweet because I remember the first night I was going to try a tour sober. Yeah. And, you know, we get there, we load in and I had all the best intentions and we go <laughs> to dinner and I'm looking around. I'm like, that's ah, Friday night in Boise. Like, I better have a Boise. Drink. And he goes, just stick with it, man. He's like, just get through. Like, just don't have a drink here. Like, yeah. have your sandwich. We'll go back and play. And ever since... Like he was, he was really good at not being coming on too strong, yeah. But being encouraging, like just give this thing awesome. a whirl, yeah. So yeah, it's been a beautiful kind of relationship that's that's blossomed over the years, and 
That's so. awesome to have your brother out with you. And when you grown up, you said you're kind of a crazy kid. Like, yeah. did you start partying at a young age? Yeah, pretty young. I, I was, um, I'm trying to think. I guess it was around 12 or 13. I, I, I got wow. into punk rock through metal. Okay. So it was like a progression. I guess it would be like I got into Aerosmith when when Pump <laughs> came out and all that, and and then Iron Maiden and Metallica, and then saw the Misfit shirts. Sick. And I had an uncle that earlier in my childhood liked the Clash, so he kind of turned me on to them. And uh, but you know that that's there's like a unique kind of hardcore punk kid that got into it through metal. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of us. Yeah, for sure. And it was kind of like when Danzig was breaking, mm-hmm. and you know, so it was like, oh, we like Danzig and the Misfits and Metallica. Yeah. And then I just got more and more into into music, you know, into punk rock through that. But yeah, I was partying and, and drinking and taking drugs and stuff through um, through high school. And then I almost got thrown out of my school. <laughs> um, and I said, oh, I, maybe I'll do my senior year uh, sober, you know, just to stay out of trouble and get out. It was Get just the kids you were hanging out with probably, right? Yeah, it was It was that, and it was also like a rebellion against like the squeeze of Christianity. I was going to say you that your parents super strict. Yeah, yeah. They were, but you know, they like they were weird. They were like into rock and roll, but I think they were just afraid. They had like three girls. They yeah. had me. I was kind of a wild card, yeah. and, and everything they told me to do, I didn't want to do. So, you know, they kept saying, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll are what we're avoiding, and I was like, that's what I want. I want all that, you know? <laughs> just <laughs> so, get it, yeah. So I was sort of chasing those dragons, and then, um, and then through through punk rock and and hardcore kind of saw straight edge and things like that i mean that year i guess that was 96 when i graduated high school and that's when my band step ahead played with h2o we oh shit really at beaver college i got all your bands down we were step ahead, we were the one. third second or third band on and you guys were the last band on and we helped throw that show oh shit beaver college remember that yeah shows. remember that and that's awesome and so and that was the first show i ever played with cpm because okay. his band ubisunt played after us. what are they called ubisunt <laughs> which i don't know what that <laughs> is that mean i don't know <laughs> to ask cpm know. that was such a wild show because there were you know it was basically step ahead was pretty melodic okay and you guys were melodic yeah. and then there was metal in between in between like 10 bands or something Fury Damn. of Five played. I oh mean, it, shit! Remember wow. that? It was it was crazy. It, Fuck, I want to find that flyer. Yeah, it was a long flyer. It was like a full <laughs> <page>. <laughs> it was like a festival that Walt threw. But um, but anyway, that was '96, and and I was sort of aware of Straight Edge, and figured you know I got to get done with high school, and then so tried that a little bit, and then when I got on the road and started you know going out, I, I got back into drinking and stuff just because on so tour and stuff. Yeah. What, what did you want to do when you graduated? I didn't know. I, you know, it was weird because I, I wanted to play music. I wanted to have some involvement in music, but I, it was such, it seemed like something other people did. Yeah. It never seemed like something that I could uh, reasonably do. I couldn't play super well, mm-hmm. you know? And so it was interesting to kind of get in, in the door, so to speak, through punk rock because I, I had that band step ahead. We were sort of flaming out from being in high school and um, and then Kid Dynamite was like the hot thing in town. I remember that band, and, great band, great band. And they took me under their wing, took me out as their roadie, and so that was my first like foray into inter international touring or national wow. touring, I guess, because they were opening for Snapcase. Sick. So we did a Snapcase Buried Alive Kid Dynamite tour. Seven Seconds was on the on the West Coast. Damn. Um, so I was like, whoa, this is so cool, and I was just selling T-shirts, you know. Yeah. Um, 
so I didn't know what I wanted to do. I managed a melting pot fondue restaurant for for uh, you know, like I was kind of I was like clever enough to kind of do whatever. Yeah, and people could see, you know, the guy who owned that place could see that I could, you know, I could hustle. Yeah, but I didn't have that clear a path, and just thought, you know, there was part of me I think because of like watching so much metal that I thought, well, you got to be technically proficient at your instrument. You got to be like Eddie Van Halen or yeah, or James Hetfield or something. Which in punk rock is complete opposite. Yeah, so <laughs> I was like, well, I could play in punk rock <sighs> bands, but I can't imagine like that's a a thing you could do professionally. Mm-hmm. And then I started working for Sick of It All. Okay, and saw, oh, this is this is their job. Yeah. You know, or even Kid Dynamite before that, they opened yeah. for good riddance for a couple of weeks. And I remember me and CPM, who, for those of you out there, he played in H2O for yep. a minute. Colin McGinnis, what up, brother? Colin McGinnis, he's a dear friend. He's I a have him on the podcast guy. too, man, for sure. Oh, he's the best. But he and I were, were kind of bosom buddies, the same age from Philly, and both worked for Kid Dynamite. And I remember us being out there, and, and Sean, their drummer, we're in New York City at Coney Island High, and Colin goes, uh, so Sean, what do you do when, when you go home, you know, from tour? What are you going to do? You like, you like do drywall or you do like, you know, you like sweep up someplace. And he's like, what do you mean? This is my job. I'm in good riddance. Damn. Yeah, but I mean, but I mean like for money. And he goes, we make money. This is my job. Yeah, but what do you do for like a trade? And Damn. Colin just could not wrap his head around yeah. the fact that that was how he, how he made money. And so that was sort of my mentality too. As like an 18, mm. 19 year old, I was like, music like you're either Eddie Van Halen or you're not. This is yeah. like a, this is like a for most of these people I assumed it was more like a hobby. So then I worked for Sick of It All and then worked for the Bouncing Souls and sort of saw, "Oh my god, you can you can have a, like a working class musician's lifestyle." Yeah. uh doing this and they sort of taught me all the ropes. Those things. Yeah, the ropes. Shows you the Both ropes. of those bands. And that was so I didn't really understand that you could do that till I was probably in my mid 20s. Okay. You know, and was like, oh, and and along the way, they were all kind to me. Like they, you know, sick yeah. of it all in their own big brotherly rough way was was like yeah, tough love. Tough love. Ball breaking love. Exactly. Yeah. But then the souls were a lot more just like, hey, you could do this. Like, yeah, chill, right? They're more could, chill. You could write songs. That's a good song. You just played me a good song. Like yeah. they, would, they would they were really encouraging. Same thing with the explosion. I went out with them um as their tour manager. Oh wow. Another great band. Yeah. And they were opening for AFI when AFI was like breaking. So it was yeah. like we were seeing the biggest of the big at the time. Totally. And it, it started to click. I was like, oh, if I put together a band, maybe maybe we some of these same producers would record us and mm-hmm. maybe we could get our, our shows with some of so these. So you're bands. writing songs as you're working with the bands. Exactly. Yeah. And so that sort of just fell together, but there was never a real clear path until I went out on the road and saw it firsthand. I was like, oh, wow, there's, you know, there's 600 people here or there's a the thousand mm-hmm. people here. They all paid to get in and the bands, oh, Oh, I see. You know, like it took me a little minute um, because I, you know, I was, I went to community college a little bit. I studied film a little bit. Oh, wow. But none of that, you know, it was the classic thing like, oh, I'll go to Temple University and I'll study film. And I realized after a semester, like I like watching movies. I don't know anything <laughs> yeah. about making them, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it was a lot of like sort of trial and error of like what i would do as a a career i didn't really know and you know i worked construction just as a as a way to to kind of make some some dough when i was home and i i assumed i'd probably end up just as a carpenter yeah did your parents want something else for you 
No, I think they were just so taken with Jesus that they wanted that. You know, that was their main goal. And and they're working class people. My mom grew up in the projects. My dad worked uh, worked at a, a quarry, like in, mm. in accounting. He did accounting for a quarry for his whole life. He just retired. Oh wow! Same company. You know, pension. The whole like yeah, uh, American dream. Real life shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so. I think they were probably just like, look, we want you to be happy and healthy and, and, uh, and go to church on Sunday. And I think that was, it wasn't like real ambitious in terms of like what I would do as a career yeah. path. So and did I, you hate church and all that stuff towards the end of, before you moved out? I did. Yeah. And there was a point <laughs> where they sort of lost control yeah. and I was just like, look, you, you know, you can say I have to be there, but I'm leaving. Like as soon as the sermon starts, I'm. I'm ducking out of here. <laughs> yeah. Or what if I smoked a joint and then went in? You know, with, you yeah. know, like and they'd be like, "Holy shit!" Like I think they just knew at some point. You know how it is. Like yeah. at a certain point, when when a teenager is trying to self-actualize, there's nothing you can do about it. No, it's man. just time. So I think they yielded to that. And uh, but the cool thing is, over time, everybody softens. And my yeah. dad, you know, my, unfortunately, my dad did lose his wife, and we lost yeah, our mom. Man. And I think he's he's. A, Tim and my biggest fan, my brother Tim, like he's, he's, uh, he listens to the radio station in Philly that plays us and he's That's a cool. member and you know, he's back to his old ways where he's like, he listens to, he probably knows more new music than I do just because he's, he's super like, proud of you. I'm he's sure, super man. proud and he's, he's mellow and he's still of course into the church and stuff. And, but I've also softened too. Like I'm whatever gets you through the day kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it all kind of worked out, but there was just some some tough years in the teenage time where I was into into drugs and into alcohol, but then also just pushing back with music as as this um it just felt like a rebellion to be into yeah. to rancid and minor threat and yeah. and bad brains. And it sort of still does, you know. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> to some degree, it's still as as popular as it's all become, it does still feel kind of counterculture. For sure. So we're part of something special. Yeah, exactly. And and we're like a different kind of human, I think. I think so. Yeah. And the scene and the world we grew up in, and the music and well, I just the community yeah, we come from. Totally. I also think just like the those ethics of well, we'll do it. We'll yeah. figure out how to do it. You know, I'm carrying that into my career now. You know, like we we sort of um, decided to not re-sign on a record deal and and keep our master. For, for this upcoming record that we're going to put wow. out. And that's a do-it-yourself thing. Hell we yeah. formed a label and, and partnered with Sony and they, they distribute and and uh, and handle the label services part of it. But just the idea that, that I own my master is Sick. kind of a punk. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like most yeah. people don't necessarily even know how that works. It's a big works. deal. Yeah. And I do, I do sort of attribute a lot of that to, to the mentality and the culture that we kind of came up in and 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 i appreciate that i think that's yeah. such a cool gift i mean even the fact that we can hang out together right now you know like i've i've watched your band since the 90s it's crazy and we have so many of the same friends so many we man. see each other it's hugs and yeah and greetings and fun chats about all of our our common friends and all that like that's that's rare for yeah. two adult men to have that <laughs> you know I, mean, I guess that's what sports do for most people yeah you know but it's cool. It's I, I'm thankful that that I was a part of that and that I sort of um, learned in that way. Yeah, you know. So before the loved ones, obviously, were you in Paint It Black too? Yeah, for a hot minute. Um, when when Kid Dynamite dissolved, Yemen uh, was like, "Look, I'm not. That's it. I'm not. I'm singing for my next band. Okay, I can't. 
I can't have another singer uh, dictate what I'm going to do. Mm. And um, because he was, he had Lifetime and Kid Dynamite. And I think in both instances, you know, these are great bands yeah. that maybe the singer didn't want to tour or something. I don't know exactly the, the ins and outs yeah. of how it all shook, but basically Yeman was like, I'm singing and I want it to be hard and fast. And will you play guitar? And I was like, yeah, of course, let's do it. So we made the first record and it looking back, I should have stayed in the band because it's such a ripping band. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's so hardcore. It's so like distilled. <clears throat> but um, we got to the second record and he was he wanted me to sing more on that record. And I had started the loved ones. Oh, okay. My mom was sick. Oh, so it shit. was like something kind of had to give. Yeah. And I was like, I don't like Dan was a doctor, you know, a practicing psychologist. Wow. And uh, I wanted to tour. I wanted to make a go of it. And this was 2003-ish. So you remember, like, a lot of people from the scene had gone on to make music careers, you know? Yes. Like, and I was like, I got this melodic, pretty good band. We should take a shot, you know? Mm -hmm. like, And knowing how much Paint It Black was playing sort of on the weekends and knowing how hardcore it was and how Dan was not going to tour, I was like, yeah, I, I'm gonna bet on myself. You know, like I'm writing the loved ones songs. I'm the singer. Um, I'm gonna. It's a great name, by the way. The loved ones. Yeah, I love that name. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was from a Elvis Costello song. And, oh wow. And uh, and a, and a novel by this guy Evelyn Waugh. Um, but anyway, the, <laughs> the, the um, I just thought it's time to bet on myself. I'm getting late in my twenties. Yeah. And I love. I should have probably just stayed in Paint It Black and been like you know, part-time lover kind of thing, like come and play when I could. Cause now they play all these cool shows. Like they'll play under a bridge somewhere and a thousand kids in Philly. Oh wow. Like, really? Like, Still? Yeah. That's they do sick. things super, super DIY, like Damn. almost to, almost to like, they could probably fill union transfer and they yeah. just choose not to. They just do everything. So like Andy Nelson, who's also in ceremony, he yeah. sort of runs Paint It Black, like the bass player. Okay. And his whole philosophy is like, I only want to do things with that band that are fun. Like it's cool. It's not fun to print merch. I'm not printing merch. So mm -hmm. it's like, whoa, they really like it's almost <laughs> kind of you know, um discordy in, yeah, in the yeah, way yeah. they approach their band. But cool. um, so in retrospect, I probably should have just, you know, stayed in and, and played with them when I could. Because I love the things that they do now. And it's yeah. so seldom. I mean, what would I have to do? Like a super random yeah, a yeah. show every other year. But but at the time it was a lot of pressure to, and, and the loved ones were gonna make a go of it. We were we were, you know, fielding offers from various labels and oh, stuff. that's cool so it felt like okay i'm gonna go all in on this and 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 we did that for about i guess we went hard for about five years <clears throat> and at the time that was a good run though man yeah we made two records we toured a lot we toured with a lot of great bands we had a lot of great shows and we we did carve out our own little fan base pretty yeah. quick like i remember selling out the unitarian church um, Sick. Which for me was like, I didn't know where else you could go from there. You know, mm -hmm. I had small expectations, <laughs> you know. And the Trocadero was way too, that's a whole different world, man, too. I thought, no, Troc, man, that's where, that's where the Deftones play or that's where <laughs> Seven Seconds plays or, you know, like I, I just, I just kept the, always sort of thought about it like there was a ceiling on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, we, we did that band and, and, and partying kind of caught up with us too much touring caught up with us and um just got burnt we got burnt and then the financial crash happened oh that's right of 2008 so all the the whole time i had the loved ones i had a construction business too oh wow with a, a kid from high school that that was a really good carpenter and so 
I mean, looking back, this was crazy to try to keep all this stuff afloat. <laughs> and then while doing drugs and drinking, Jesus, I mean, man. it was just yeah. madness, but, but that's kind of what I thought. I said, well, I got to keep this business going so I can like pay my mortgage. It's and good. You had that though. Like, it is good. Yeah. yeah. It, it did maybe ground me in some ways, but in 2009, um, there was Crash. no, there was no more jobs for, yeah. for the construction company to do and shows, uh, show attendances were down, mm. you know, just cause people didn't have as much dough. Yeah. It was, like, yeah. was kind of bleak. And some, uh, a guy called me from Canada and was like, Hey, do you want to do this cross country Canadian tour with this artist that's developing? You would be solo. Ooh. So you just grab your acoustic guitar, you know, here's what the pay is. And it was like carpentry wages. It was like, wow. I could either sit home and not do carpentry cause there's nothing available. Yeah. Or I could go do this and I just loved it. It felt like I got out of like a big dump truck that I was driving and got onto like a motorbike. Yeah. You know what I mean, I was like lean and mean. <laughs> I had a guitar and a box of shirts. And did I was, you ever think about doing solo shit at that point? I sort of thought about it because I've always had such um, a big fascination with songwriting, you know? Okay. Like, and so, in whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Jenny Lewis or, or, or Connor Oberst or any of those people that I'm a fan of, like they're always like one to me as a band guy at the time, I was like, there's these one named singer songwriter people. <laughs> like, I wonder if I could do that. And so, again, you know, you sense a pattern here where it's like by default, I was like, okay, I guess I'm trying this same thing with the band. You know, I was like, Oh, I guess if you just book shows under your own name and people come, then that's what you do. You know, were people doing that back then? Really? (laughs) Yeah. Chuck had started doing it. Chuck Chuck Reagan had started and, and we were friends. I was good friends with the hot water guys. Um, I'm trying to think of who else had, had, is Kevin seconds doing it back then? Maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit, yeah. but just a few, maybe Joey Cape, a couple of or those Joey guys Cape. from various punk rock bands that I knew had, had started it. But again, I was less kind of aware of that and more yeah. into like the Americana or like, like, I was always into Randy Newman and, and, Randy Newman, and yeah. like songwriters, you know, like That's I've cool. always been super fascinated with songs and, so I, st- I just went kind of all in and, and made this record, that first record, Resolutions, and that came out in 2011. So I figured, all right, I'll do this. I'll make some dough. Things will come back, and I'll go back to the loved ones. You know, that was my mm. plan. Well, in 2011, Chuck called and was like, hey, do you want to do the revival tour over in Europe? Which was like, you know, the, it was like four people from bands yeah. who had solo things going that play all together. It was a super magical thing. Wow. And one of the people on the tour was Brian Fallon, who I was a friend with, you know, from okay. Gas- Gaslight Anthem. And the loved ones had taken them out. They had taken us back out. They blew up, whatever. And so um, I said, sure, I'll try it, you know. And it was like right away I was selling tons of records Damn. in Europe. People were discovering what I was doing more so than the loved ones. We had been to Europe. Yeah. But this was a whole new thing. And it's cool. It was, yeah, it was really special. And I could kind of sense it at the time, which is kind of rare, you know, like you you don't always sense what's happening until later. So each of the guys, so it was Dan Andriano from Alkaline Trio, Chuck Reagan, Brian Fallon, and myself. And each of the guys individually at different points on the tour were like, listen, are you sure you want to go back to the loved ones? Wow. And I was like, why? Yeah. What do you mean? That's my band. Yeah. And they were like, you're killing it. You You could have a career in Europe are you sure? So I was like, oh, all three of these guys are saying the same thing. And they're all established artists, you know, yeah. they all had careers and stuff. 
So I, I sort of got the bugaboo there. And then I had all these songs that I was going to bring back to the loved ones. So I, I sat those guys down and I was like, okay, guys, let's get back to work. Let's make another record. We'll go out on tour. And they all were like, well, let's make the record and not tour. Mm. And I was like, what? And we'll see what happens. It's perfect for you, though. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to make a record and not tour. I'll tell you what will happen. No one will hear it. Like, we <laughs> yeah. got to tour this record. What do you mean? I wrote all these. Yeah, these, yeah. Are, these are some of my best songs. And they were all like, we don't want to tour. You know, we sort of, they all kind of got jobs and they were sort of figuring out various other career paths and they wanted to give those a go. Yeah. And they were like, let's be a part-time band. And I was like, no. Uh-uh. And my marriage was falling apart. Oh, shit. My business had fallen apart. So I was kind of like unencumbered, loose, loosing the chains of, of, of my former life kind of thing. Were you still partying too? Heavy. And I was, I had book time at Grandmaster Studios in LA. So this okay. is a legendary place. Yeah, I heard that. You know, yeah. Tool and No Doubt and uh, Black Crows and Damn. Stevie Wonder had all made records there. So I knew I had a shot and I knew I had good songs. Yeah. You know? And we had this incredible band like members of Social Distortion and and, and uh, My Morning Jacket and everybody. Oh, shit. On it. So I was thinking about what to do. I knew I had to leave Philly and Skiba called. And we were chatting about, I said, hey, I'm coming out to LA to make a record. And he was like, stay with me and you can live in my spare room. And you- Was that the crib over here of a third? I yeah, 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 was, yeah. Right, when he was living over here in West Hollywood. Yeah. And he was like, don't worry about rent. Let's just hang. You make your record. Stay as long as you like. It was so sweet That's of him. Sick. And- Shout out to Skeebs. Yeah. So, so I did that, made that record. And then it was like, that was it. it okay. At that point- I had, um, you know, real manager and, and booking agents and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm solo. The band doesn't want to do this in the capacity. Such I want to perfect do it. timing for that though, man. And I just went like that was it. And so right around then was when, you know, my, my brother came in and gotten involved as like a, you know, we would tour as a duo and then, yeah. What we, was he doing before that? Again, he was in college. Okay. Okay. So, so um, that's right. He's 15 years younger. Right. 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 So it all kind of coalesced around there, but that, that was sort of how the loved ones dissipated and, but we didn't have a big fight or, or, yeah. or a bad feeling or any of that. It was all love. And then I just went about my business. I toured and toured and toured and kept building my thing. And then we sort of looked at the clock and we're like, it's 2015. We got, oh, we got an offer to do Gros Rock. Oh, shit. Great um, festival. And it was like us and then the Mighty Mighty Boston's, which for me, like the Boston's are one of my favorite bands. Me too, I, man. I love, I remember seeing you guys open for them at the yeah. truck. Oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. And um, great band, great humans, oh, dude. Taught me so much. Yeah, Such man. a professional, 100% fun night of me. Like, you're just like, this band is ripping, but they're having the most fun. Yeah. I just love the I Boston's. saw Joe Gilman last week, two weeks in Boston. He was at that show. Oh, was he cool? And I saw Dick at an Arizona show, and that, that band. Real quick story. I'm sure I told you before. We played the Wetlands, and the following Monday, our manager at the time got a call saying that Dickie was at our show mm-hmm. randomly, seeing that it was a bunch of bands. Yeah. He loved your band, like to take you on tour. Then they started taking us on tour. Oh, yeah. And then the, we were with them before, let's face it, blew up. And they were still the same exact dudes on nothing changed for them they taught you like be respectful on just everything about them it was was such a trip yeah so we agreed to do that gross rock mostly like like you know there was like enough money that we could make and go do it but it was also i was like we get to play right before the boston go to europe and it was so cool because i always thought of them as the boston's you know this like massive incredible band and i walked past gittleman and and 
was like, all right, I'm going to go to, I had met those guys through the souls <laughs> and all that and through sick. Yeah, and sure. Yeah. But I still had this picture of them of as these rock stars, you know? And yeah. I went up to Joe. <laughs> totally <laughs> opposite of that. Yeah. And I said, Hey Joe, my name's Dave Haas. I'm in this band, the loved ones. And he was like, yeah, I know who you are. He's like, well, why are you being weird? You know, he's like, he oh, was so shit. sweet in that he was like disarming, you know, like yeah. he was like, I was kind of going timid. He was like, I know who you are and I've met you before and I, I'm so psyched to see you guys play kind of thing. Sick. And so, but yeah, so anyway, that was my sidebar story. But then we <laughs> ended up knowing, okay, it's about 10 years since we made that first record that everybody liked. And we did a bunch of like sort of final uh, shows ten, okay. 10 years after Keep Your Heart came out. That was in 2016. And we, to me, that was kind of probably the end. I mean, we, we did... We sold out all the places we wanted to play Sick. and kind of had a, a, a victory lap like 10 years after we started. Yeah. And I had the solo thing going and, and, and I'm sort of able to do more in in that band musically than I could in the Loved Ones. The Loved Ones were yeah. a punk band, you know? And so there's only so much, you know how it is, there's only so much rope they give you before, yeah. <laughs> before yeah. you hang yourself with it. You know, it's yeah. like there are certain rules and expectations, which is sort of the ironic thing about punk rock. Whereas like playing under my own name and playing with my brother, and there's just a different expectation of what you can do musically, and that's kind of why I've stayed in this lane. Yeah, how long have you been doing solo stuff for now? It's about 10 years since wow. I first... Yeah, this year is 10 years since I put out that first record. Wow. So yeah, it's we're about to put out the fifth album... And, uh, yeah, it's, it's so, it's, it's a trip. You know how it is, man. When you get a little older, you start going like, oh, it's been 10 years of this or it's crazy. Oh, time flies. It's, it's Especially wild. when you have kids too, man. I know. Well, that's the, yeah, we had, my wife and I had our twins at the beginning of 2019. Twin boys, right? Yeah. yeah. So sick. So we just watched them turn from, you know, zero to two and a half, um, it seemingly in a blink of an eye, you it's know, it's really fast. I don't know what it is. Like it's because we're older when you have kids, you see life go. F I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, man. Cause when you don't have kids, maybe it's just you and your wife or your girlfriend, you're just living, traveling. But then when you have like a human that's growing, it's such a, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, you're putting so much emphasis on someone else, you know? Yeah. And so, and so you lose track of time because mm. I mean, you're, you're, you're a, a guy who takes being a dad really seriously. Yes. And I am too. And I think part of that is, is being, well, how old were you when you had Max? I would have been 33. Okay, so right, you're not in your 20s. Yeah. You've seen the world and you already you know, travel with my wife everywhere. The, yeah. Right, exactly. So I think part of it is that like you take it a little bit more seriously, I think when when you opt to do it. And you're yeah. not and it's not like oh it happened and I'm 23. No, we planned that shit. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. And my wife and I had thought it through. It was my second time being married and I was like I'm going to try to get this right, but but yeah, it is weird how suddenly time it just is is going so fast. You I know. know, and becoming a. So when did you move to California? What year? So that so right after. So I recorded that record in the early part of 2013. So I was out in LA for maybe five months or something over at Skiba's. In and out. Oh, five months, damn. It was something. I well, remember seeing you out here for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was going up to Santa Barbara to visit her a lot. Okay. And um. And then I moved in with her at the end of 2013. So we'll have been there, I guess, at the end of this year. It'll be eight. Hey, holy mackerel. It's eight years. Damn. Yeah. What show did you meet her at again? So, okay. So I was on tour <laughs> opening for Gaslight Anthem. And uh, they were doing like a promotional tour. They had a major label record. It was a big record. And so they were on a bus with plenty of days off, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was just carrying my guitar around, you know, trying to hustle a couple bucks. So... <laughs> 
I get done. They, they had Seattle and then three days on their bus before they went to the next place. So my manager at the time goes, well, come down to LA, fly down. We have to have meetings to see who's going to put out the record and we're ironing out the deal or whatever. And then you can go up to Santa Barbara on the Monday and Lucero's playing and you can open for them. And I said, where's Santa Barbara? I don't know Santa Barbara yeah. from Santa Claus. You know, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Isn't that a show? You know? Yeah. So I go up there. It's a Monday night. But Lucero always packs it out. You know, I played my little set. And it's funny, dude. Right as I was about to get on stage, this guy, this like tall, handsome guy is standing there. And he goes, you could tell he's like partying. And he goes, what are you going to do, man? You going to just get up there and rip it with that guitar by yourself? I go, yeah, yeah, I was a solo guy. And he goes, I can't wait to see this. He's like super amped. And I go, this guy looks fucking mad familiar. Like, it is. Who? So I get up there, I play the first song, people are clapping, whatever. And I see him back at the bar. I was like, he was perfectly lit. I'm looking <laughs> at him. And I go, this guy just, and on the mic, I go, this guy, he's like this handsome guy back at the bar. He looks super familiar. You said that on the microphone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, <laughs> and the guy goes like, he, like you could see, he was like, oh. And the crowd's kind of looking around. And I was like, it's going to come to me who this guy is. And I still don't know the guy's name, but he was the guy who played um, Aiden in Sex and the City. Oh, yeah. Like real handsome guy. He was there. He was randomly there at the show. I and remember Aiden, yeah. So another song goes by and I go, yo, holy shit, it's Aiden from Sex and the City. Because <laughs> I had a couple of He's so embarrassed. He was embarrassed, but he thought it was funny. Like he wow. knew it was funny. And afterwards Aiden. we had drinks and stuff. But so anyway, it was the, the funny part is we both watched Sex and the City. Oh, love it. So good. One Damn, of the Aiden was at your show. That's sick. It's so, it was so funny. It's so random. And it, but it was a wild night. And, and your girl was there too. Yeah. And I met my wife. She came up to me and she, she, she was in her master's program, but she was like blowing off steam, you know, like it was one of those kind of nights. Like she shouldn't have even been there because mm -hmm. she was studying to be a therapist and all this, but she had, she had a couple martinis and went to the show on a Monday. Yeah. So she comes up to me at the merch and she goes, Hey, um, your show is pretty good, but why wouldn't you play that song, that loved one song that everybody likes? Wow. And I, ordinarily, you know, you hear that and you're like, what the fuck? She's a fine woman. So I was like, I'll play that song for you right now. Like, we could walk back there into this back patio at Velvet Jones, and I'll play the song for you right now. Because I was just like smitten. Holy shit. You want to hear that song? I'm a singer. I'll sing you that song. <laughs> and so she got shy, and she laughed, and she was like, no, no, no. I was like, all right, well, how about a drink? I bought her a drink, and the rest is history. Holy shit, we've been We've been married uh, since 2017. We That's have amazing, two, two dude. Boys. But again, I ended up in Santa Barbara kind of like, all right, well, this is where I'm going to go. Because when, yeah. I was, when I was leaving Philly, I didn't know if I'd go to Jersey and, and be with the Souls guys because yeah. they had all kind of settled down in Esbury Park. I didn't know if I'd come out to L.A. Matt was kind of like, you know, Skiba was like, you could move out here. Yeah. You know, and, Were you nervous about leaving the East Coast to come out here? I was. Yeah, it's a I big was. deal. Were you? Yeah, it was a big deal. I didn't want to leave New York. I left kicking and screaming. My wife's like, we have to go out there. Trust me. We're going to get a house. going to have a kid. We lived in a 400 square foot apartment we thought was the best apartment on Fifth Street. It was. But yeah. you can't see beyond the buildings and shit. But then I came out here. I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. So how long did it take you to like take to it? Acclimate here. Yeah. Like a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I think so for me too. Like it was a lot of change, especially because Santa Barbara is so wealthy. It's just beautiful. There, and man. I'm it's not, a, you know, like I'm not from that. So it's a different world. This is again, I was drinking. So we'd go to like these gatherings <laughs> and my wife, well, she's my girlfriend at the time. And I'd go like, I'd, I'd like strike up a conversation with somebody and I'd be like, yo, 
how do you really afford to live here? Like, what do you, you got money from your family or whatever? And she'd be like, oh, you got to stop asking people this shit. You know, because so random people. Yeah, because yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, how yeah. do people afford to be here? And uh, so there was culture shock and all that stuff. I mean, I always think about it. Like if you're an East Coast person and you move to California, it's like moving to England. Mm. It's like it's as far away. Yeah. They still speak English, but it's different. Yeah. And culturally, it's totally different. Yeah. You know, the food's different. The Like think about it when maybe not in New York City as much, but when you go back to the East Coast, aren't you shocked at what people are eating? Yeah, it's way different. Yeah. It's like there's no, there's so little available, mm. you know, in terms of like healthy food yeah. or whatever. So you love it out here. I love it, man. You never move back. You're not going to move back to these I don't know. I mean, it's so expensive. You fantasize about it like a little. But you fantasize about how it used to be, probably. Exactly. And it'll never be like that. Like the old New York or whatever. Like Right. The old, I mean, Philly is like a whole different place now. And, and I'm sure I could find my footing. I mean, I could certainly buy a house there. Oh, you know? totally. Um, in Santa Barbara, I don't know. I, it 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 seems like I'm gonna need a hit song because <laughs> it's so crazy. I mean, Damn. it's it's such like it's the secrets out, and so people from all over the world are buying property there. You know, people really? in foreign countries are just like, but it's so expensive to buy something. Oh, yeah, dude, it's nuts. It's nuts. Our house, uh, you know, we pay a, a decent amount of rent, but also if you were to buy it, it would cost you almost two million bucks, and they'd knock it over. Yeah, for and build sure. Like a you know, like a mansion on it or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's just it's a humble place because they built them before the boom. But yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of a weird. It's it's the part of the puzzle we haven't solved. My wife and I. Otherwise, we yeah. have kids, we have careers, we have great life, and we see our family and and. But your family's back east, so yeah. But but dude, that's a treat because think about all these Philly like died in the wool. Eagles fans, Philly yeah. fans, are, they come out to Santa Barbara and my sisters are like, yo, you live here? Mm. This is crazy. They're like, this yeah. is so beautiful. My dad, when he comes out to visit us now, is like, he talks about the weather for 60% of the time because he just can't believe it. <laughs> I know. He can't believe it because you know how it is. You're either boiling hot or you're freezing I know. cold. I mean, it is, it's rough. I do not miss the winter though, man. No, man. I don't I miss the people. I miss the culture. I mean yeah. I think that Santa Barbara generally doesn't have it doesn't have like a music culture really, like it, what I'm used to. Yeah. Hip hop is is not part of the equation. Mm-hmm. Um rock and roll. It's it's a, like a lot of white dudes trying to play reggae and, and which is fine, you know. Yeah. You know, they were playing ukulele. It's like a hippie kind of vibe or sort of hippie, sort of um sort Very of surf, man. Reggae. Surf, yeah. I mean that part of it is, is I mean, it's really cool. I'm I'm not yeah. in other words, I'm not disparaging it, but it's not culturally what I'm used yeah, to. Philly's like yeah. everything man yeah Philly's everything Philly, man but again i'm I'm also a guy in my 40s now with kids so like how much am i going out to like take in culture even if i live in philly I'll, I'll yeah probably mostly with my kids mostly with my my sisters and their kids like i'm not really so when i fantasize about it it's like you're saying i'm thinking of like like how much am i going to be you know at the at the at the the punk show probably yeah like who's hanging out exactly right right you we're don't leave your house here probably that much not much just to go to the beach you yeah know? So, but just, going back to visit like the holidays is probably awesome bring the, you know yeah you kids know the, there for the holidays the magic and, of christmas out yeah there something that's something special. i really do miss the seasons do you yeah, i miss the seasons yeah when i, I see do. it when i see it online or something like the trees and the fucking well touring we get to get a taste that's true you know like if we that's do a, true. a weekend out there in october or whatever yeah like, oh this is great and then you come back. Yeah, it took me a little while to figure that part of out of it too. Like when you're in January and it's not 
cold. Yeah, or Christmas is kind of weird still to me. Yeah, I agree. I've been here 20 years. It's still weird, man. Yeah. Well, it's just like... Hot-ass Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> it's like formative, you know? When, <laughs> when you're going through the formative years, that's what you think is normal. But I always yeah. wonder this about people in Australia and stuff. Like, how mm. do they think of Christmas? Yeah. You know, like they're watching Home Alone or whatever, and they're probably going, what is that? You know, it's covered That's in a snow. good point. Because they don't, you know, it's not like it gets snowy and yeah there i don't know I, I always wonder that it's like it's interesting how culturally our idea of of the holidays and the seasons is all northeast based or, yeah. or chicago you know like yeah. it's basically from chicago out east that's what everybody thinks no of totally America. but new york city always has like the beautiful christmas oh man. it's amazing Rock and fireworks and yeah fire, dude, I, it was funny we watched the santa barbara fireworks just a couple weeks ago and it's kind of whack or no it's fine, <laughs> but there's people turning up six in the morning to get their spot. And really? I'm, there's no band playing. There's no roots. There's no yeah. hall of notes. Like in Philly, it's like the art museum. Everybody's there. And then the fireworks go off. They go off. And so it's funny. We got home from them and I was like, yeah, it was okay. I mean, my little kids thought they were cool. Yeah. And then I turned on like the re the repeat of New York City's fireworks. Bro. I was like, my wife was like, whoa. I was like, yeah, that's a real place. They got yeah, real fireworks. I know. There's something about being like East Coast or like living out on the West Coast, though. I think so. I think we're the best people. We have like, we have like <laughs> an edge over people. And we I don't know, just a different... Bre- I don't know. Oh, you would laugh, man. The, my first trip to Trader Joe's with her. <laughs> I'm stood there in line, and the guy goes... And you know this. The guy goes, hey, you guys got, you guys got any plans today? And I looked at him, and I go, what's it to you? And my wife goes... <laughs> Yo, 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 be cool, be cool. And I wow. Was like, this guy's fucking asking me about what I'm going to do today. Like, what was he, stalker? <laughs> you know, because I'm Philly that way. Yeah. And now everybody's I go, so nice. Everyone's so here, nice. Man. And they're just making small talk. But I, of course, was like, this guy's, he's going to hustle me somehow. Yeah. And it was interesting to kind of shed all that. Yeah. And now I go in there and I'm, oh, how are you guys doing? What are you, you doing know? today? Same yeah, thing to him. Friendly and stuff. But it's weird when you go back and you and that armor has to kind of come back up. And the energy is so different. It's East hard. Coast. Yeah. And and my look, I love it. And it's no it's, filter. Right. It's in my heart. It's 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 part of who I am as a person. But I do think that like finding a different kind of life and a different kind of happiness is is I feel fortunate and I don't feel, I had like a little uh, guilt about it. You know, like I was like, oh, I'm going to turn soft. And now I'm kind of like, mm. fuck it. You know, like. You seem to be in a good place now, man. Sober, family. Yeah, like I'm enjoying my life. I feel like I can be a better like friend and, and, and a better songwriter and a better husband and father and all that stuff. And if that means I'm not, you know, at a bar in South Philly on a Friday night, fine. You know, I'm fucking yeah. fine with it. I mean, you went hard for a while, man. I did. And you were doing more. You, I think you're doing other shit besides drinking, obviously. I'm, oh, yeah. I remember running sure. into some spots. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I probably yeah. was wild out of my mind. Yeah. I remember, uh, I, rem- <laughs> I remember we played, Loved Ones played in Japan at Punk Spring. I know Punk Spring. That's a big deal, man. It was awesome. And But we played, you know, a little bit earlier and then Rancid was on last. And I remember being i mean you're always sort of fucked up without booze in japan because you're so disoriented 100 yeah, percent. and i rancid went on and i realized ben was their drum tech who i oh yeah ben yeah, yeah ben yeah. new zealand yeah ben, what up yeah. ben yeah and uh and i remember running over to him all excited but i'm like wasted running over to him and he's like hey you know like i'm working hi dave you know and i 
I like bit him on the ear in a loving way, but like Mike Tyson style. Yeah, and right. <laughs> and he was like, "What the fuck?" Like, I think the only reason he didn't knock me out was because we were pals. Wow. But shit like yeah, that biting somebody's gnarly. And it's gnarly. Him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If somebody bit me, I would swing. No, no two ways about it. But so were you like a wild party guy? Like you get violent or no crazy? fun? Okay. Fun. Okay, it yeah. wasn't a hard bite. But my okay. point is just to say, yeah. like, I found myself in these situations where, like, thankfully I was still having fun and, and I wasn't starting fights or... Yeah. But it was doing damage to to my overall, like, you know, life. It, it, it just... It, it was fun. Health too, probably. No? And health. Yeah. 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 And I think I just... I looked at it in 2015 and just thought, you know, I got a good thing going with this Natasha and... You know, I I could get better at music if I if I focused more, and if I don't, if I keep drinking and keep being willing to party and opening myself up to those energies, you know, over time you're you're dealing with like drug dealers here and there. It's a sketchy element. Damn, you really? Know? Well, here and there, like you could, yeah. you want to get Molly or or cocaine or whatever. Terrible what was your thing. drug of choice besides alcohol? It would be cocaine. Damn. Yeah, I, love I heard it. that shit's crazy addictive. I heard they're like coming down off the next day. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's depressing. What, it's dark. Have you done coffee? Have you had coffee? I quit coffee in March. You quit it. Okay. How long did you do it? A couple months. Picture <laughs> the most pin you ever got on coffee. Yeah. And just multiply that by, I don't know, 10. But how long does it last per night? Depends on how much, how much coke you do. Yeah, it depends on how much you do. But isn't the next day you feel like a piece of... Like oh, it is. my God. It sucks your soul out. It's a bad And drug. then you do it again to get up? Yeah. It's, for me, a lot of it had to do with... That's I was, hard to kick, I was man. drinking and having fun, and then the drink starts to... You, I mean, you've seen a million drunks. It starts to take over, and you start to slow down, and you start to become sloppy. Mm -hmm. Cocaine refocuses you, and it's like... You're like, oh, okay, I'm back, I'm back. I feel like a fucking superhero. You do, and... But you're annoying as shit. You're talking a mile a minute. You're, you know, but if you're with a bunch of other people who are doing it, you think you're having fun. Yeah. And you're sharing all this intimate stuff about yourself with your buddies. <laughs> you forget it all the next day. Yeah. So it's all sort of this, this um, chase to connect with people that's false, you know? Mm. I mean, you, there are connections that happen, um, but I do think so much of it's forgotten. So, mo so much of it um, is kind of false. And... I think it's hard. You're almost like embarrassed when you talk to that person. Like you might have a great hang with somebody yeah. and you were doing drugs or whatever. You're up all night. You shared all this stuff. The next time you see him though, neither of you quite trust the experience. Mm. He's like, well, we were both fucked up. So were we just on drugs or were we yeah. really connecting? So it's really kind of, it plays tricks it's interesting. on Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. Well, what's hard to quit? Alcohol or cocaine? Alcohol. Damn. Because cocaine was like, it was like the cousin that would show up. Okay. And alcohol was like your brother. That was like that was like everyday type shit almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could always because you can always pop a, a a beer open anywhere. Did your pops drink? He didn't. No. Okay. All of my mom. My mom had six brothers, and all, they all struggled with alcoholism. Okay. And her dad died young from alcoholism, so oh, wow. it came from my mom's side. Got you. But um, but yeah, it was. I always try to think about it, like. It was fun until it got to be unfun. And and I guess yeah. I guess for me, that's just to say like, because a lot of people have reached out to me. I try to be open about the sobriety thing. I love it. But here's the weird thing is people who are struggling will go like, well, what do I do? And how did you do it? And that's a lot of responsibility. And, and for me, I try to go like, listen, if you need to go cold turkey and you need to go to AA and all that, that's for you to 
figure out. Yeah. But you need to prioritize mental health. That's the thing. Did you go to all those meetings and stuff too? I went to one meeting. Wow. And um and I didn't like it actually. So check this out. In fact, it has a religious vibe to it? Yes. There was that. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> um I went so I guess I had been sober for a year and a half, two years, and uh, we were out. Tim and I opened for Against Me and Bad Religion on a Sick. national tour. And so I'd been friends with the Bad Religion guys, and, and Jay and, and Brian Baker were super cool and, and really encouraging about the sobriety thing. Because when you're a year and a half in, it's easy yeah. to fall off and stuff. And so they were like, oh, you're doing great. You look better. You sound better. And it was really sweet of them. And so Jay invited me to go to a meeting. We're in New York City, two nights um, in town. And so Jay and my friend Christina White, who were- Christina White Trash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She That's was awesome. up there and she, they, they wanted to go to this meeting. So is, really, is your last name White? Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. I saw it was White Trash. <laughs> There's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. It's, she's awesome. White. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's now working on the Bad Religion she, Management team. She's in Jersey? Yep. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's in that same pocket. Asbury this, Park this crew. I like that little community they built yeah, out it's there. It's beautiful, it's man. It's nice. It's so cool. And uh, so anyway, they, they they took me to this meeting. It was in the Lower East Side, right where you and, and Pete Kohler and Steinkoff <laughs> and Ke Brian Keeneland all lived, mm -hmm. you know, in yeah. that same little zone. So we go in and I'm feeling good. I ate a piece of pizza. Go to, I'm going to try out this meeting. Man, it was in a dark, like bummer place. Damn. Everybody's bummed. I just felt like, oh my God, this is a heavy vibe. And Does that make you want to party more in a sense? Yes. So this guy Damn. drops his story. You do your sharing, right? And and I don't know much about it, but the guy starts sharing and I, and I could sense it. He was a firefighter. And I was like, this is going to be 9-11. He's going to talk about, I know this is going to be 9-11. Sure enough, I lost all my friends in 9-11. I was like, fuck, man. Damn. This is so heavy. We got out of that meeting. And I'm looking around. I see Holiday Cocktail Lounge. I see Manitobas. And all yeah. of a sudden, they looked, it was like a movie. They looked like they were open and ready for business. And I was like, I want to go in that bar. And I looked at Jay and I go, that meeting made me want to drink so fucking bad. And he was like, what? I go, it, it, everybody just talked about drinking for an hour. Yeah. And I love drinking in my heart. You know, <laughs> like I'm deciding not to do it, but like I do yeah. love the fun of it. And so... I talked to my wife about it and she was like, you know, maybe it's just not the path for you. Maybe, maybe it's this is your first wife. No, this is my current wife. Okay, this, okay. So this is just a couple of years ago, um, 2016. Oh, wow. And so she was like, look, maybe it's not the way you, you go, like you're having success with just stopping yeah. and, and trying to be more healthy and, and trying to read more and going yeah. to therapy and like, why don't you just stick with what's working if the AA thing is crumbing you out? Yeah, don't go. But there, we have good friends that are they're super into AA, and 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 if it works for you, whatever gets the job done. Yeah, whatever helps anybody. Thing. Yeah, I was, but, so therapy works for you. Yeah, I yeah. want to get therapy too. I, I've never been, and I feel like I could that'd be helpful to me. For my, uh, I always talk about this podcast that me and my family need it. We never been to it for losing my dad at three years old. And oh, dude, that's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never having closure and stuff. Although you have done such a magnificent job of fathering, like in a, in a way, you've you've kind of righted that wrong, you know, in, mm. in terms of like losing, you lost him at three. Yeah. So, I mean, but I think, I, I think I miss, I think I have issues from it, from not having the closure. Maybe my mom, my, my wife thinks I could use some, my mom and my brothers never have, but just like not, I don't know. Has moon been to therapy? No, that's interesting. 
I no. figured she would go just because I mean, she, she she's seems a badass, so bro. smart to me always. You she know? is, but she's just a badass. She's fine. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't need it. I'm an emotional wreck when it became a dad, too. I think I'm oh, super me, emo, me super too, man. cried everything. I've always been emo, but becoming a dad and just... Oh, I'll send you this new record. The first song on it okay. is called North Star, and I wrote it right before we left for Nashville to make the record, and it's about my kids, mm. and it's about resetting what you're priority is and yeah. how much they mean to you and i just let it all out i was like I love that i, I had no that's editor. therapeutic it, yeah it, right songwriting too is 100 big part of like i was saying about the loss of my dad and all the sudden songs too and that's really helpful you know totally yeah man i mean so i think the sobriety thing's interesting in, in that i try to just shoot people straight like I, i've had a lot of people recently after quarantine reach out and say hey can we talk about sobriety yeah i, I think i'm drinking too much kind of thing and i've always said to them listen, if you can get balance, you're probably better off. In other yeah. words, if you can go to the ball game and have a beer or whatever, you know, hang out with your friends and do, you know, do a little bit of drinking and then keep it under control. Yeah. It's probably better than the extreme thing. Because mm -hmm. I still wish I could socially do some of that, you know. Like you miss I, it? I miss the camaraderie of it. And the fact that it kind of lubes you enough for social situations to feel good. Yeah, you know what I mean, like because there's a lot of social situations that don't feel natural. Is it weird seeing people that used to party with since you're sober running into them if they're not sober like you? Or not exactly. I I always think of it. It's like about if you meet up with them at four, it's cool for a couple yeah. hours. But then I start looking at my friend and going like, he just repeated his story and he's not making any. More oh, he got drunk. Mm. Oh, I see what happened. Like you sort of lose them to the booze after uh. a couple hours, but um. It's not weird until then. And then I usually bounce. I'm usually like, I'll just go home, watch a Tom Petty. Have you tried helping some friends try to reach out? Yes. To yeah, that's I awesome. Have. Yeah. And, but I, I use a it. real gentle touch with it because I feel, I'm sure. I feel like, you know, Christina White, uh, she was really good to me in that way. She got sober a long, long time before I did. Johnny Two Bags was really good to me in that way. They were real subtle. Yeah. And they led by example and just kept the light on for me. It's the best. Um, and I think, whenever you're ready. Exactly, whenever you're ready. But I, at the same time, you look at other people and you really, your heart goes out to them because you think, man, I wish they were ready. I wish they could get on the good foot. Because, in fact, I remember running into you. You guys played, oh my God, where was it? It, it was the Souls thing in Asbury. And I was just oh, hanging around. Right. And I had about a month sober. Mm. And you came up and you were like, dude. I heard you're not drinking. This is that's great. right. I remember that. This is real, and I was like, "Oh, how'd you hear that?" And you were like, "Ah, oh, you know, people talk, whatever. I don't know." You were like, "But get at it. Go for it." You know. Yeah. And and it was really sweet of you to to kind of go that extra mile and give encouragement. Like when you run across people, and they're willing to kind of give you that little nugget of yeah. of, of encouragement, it it's it's appreciated. And so awesome. I'm usually trying to approach it that way instead of, hey, man, look, I really think your life's falling apart. And, you know, I, I try not to do yeah. that to people because a lot of times you get defensive and you're like, fuck you, I can handle it. And I remember feeling that way with Or being like people. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking it per like, yeah, you're attacking me or something. Yeah, and, and when, you're, when you're in a defensive spot about it, you're not thinking clearly. No. So it's, it's, I'm real, I try to be subtle about it and it's tough because I think people, you know, people, I try to keep my like social media relatively open and people will reach out to me. Yeah. And I think they're looking for maybe something that I don't give, which is they're looking for a simple answer. Like, oh, you need to call your 
I don't know what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. They're looking for help. And what I try to do is just be as honest as I can and say, listen, guard your mental health. If drinking's getting in the way of that, like fight for your life. And if it means stopping drinking, there's there are ways to do that. And I'm I'm just a guy who sings songs. Mm-hmm. There are people who can really and truly help you with this, whether it's alcohol counseling yeah. or uh, therapists or whatever. I try to like point them in the direction of experts because I'm just a guy who stopped, you know? Yeah, and totally. I hope that inspiration does carry to people. Yeah. But I also don't think that's the way it works for everybody. No. You know, it's it's complicated. Yeah. So you think that definitely affected your first marriage? Party? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was. It's always like there's little fires, and booze, <laughs> booze is just gas you're pouring on that fire. Yeah. You know. So there's always pro- a problem, and you could solve the problem or work work through the problem. Yeah. Or you could pour a bunch of fucking gas on it, and that's what I did with with a lot of things in that era of my life. So yeah. The, you know, to some degree, the band, to some degree, the business, and t- to a large degree, my first marriage. It just the problems felt insurmountable and i was like well it's easier to, to run it's easier yeah. to, to to go out on tour it's easier to drink and so i think you know it all worked out well yeah it, but it doesn't always work out well for everybody so i think it's it there's some cautionary tale to it you know yeah, do you have any major regrets major um, not major just regrets in general yeah i mean i do think i'm 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 certainly happier now overall in almost every aspect of my life i think there's something about being in a rock and roll band <laughs> called the loved ones that I thought we were going to go to the top, mm. you know, like I you really thought, believed. Well, and I think a lot of people that I trusted believed the bouncing souls and the alkaline trio and, and all these people who were further along were like, yo, your band is great. Keep they believed going. in you and loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Fat records signed us and, and epitaph was interested. Like all these people who were very successful at it. Yeah. Saw something in it. And I love rock and roll bands. You know, I love Social Distortion and Green Day and and all uh, the Ramones and, yeah. and 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 the Replacements. Like, I had a romantic notion of that band sort of going the distance. So I think, as much as I don't necessarily want to do that band anymore because it's it just kind of did its thing, and yeah. I think it's better to kind of leave certain things. You had expectations for it though. Yeah, and I think that feels a little bit like a regret. Yeah. But again... Quiet, Stella. Uh, <laughs> Stella! Um, but I do... You know, I'm also happy that it led to me making the music that I make with yeah. my brother. and You know what I mean? So it's weird. Like, you have to be careful with the regrets because you don't want to get too focused on them. Um, but yeah, I kind of wished that band had gotten a, f- a longer tail or whatever. Yeah. You know, like a longer ability to keep working. Yeah. Um, but we sort of poured booze on that problem i mean you, you you could do it again if you wanted to maybe you're right we could yeah it just again it seems it seems like a lot of work you yeah. know to, and, and and we're so focused on what we're doing and and thankfully we have an audience to play to that's yeah. growing and it just feels like uh this is the best way because the other thing about going back to a band like that is you go back in some ways to that being that person you were then true and I think, time in your life yeah. yeah that was a struggle for me when we did the reunion shows we, mm. we start you, you know you start telling stories and they're fun for a while and then you're like oh yeah i did fall asleep on the stage at uh wow after the flogging molly show like i remember the loved ones <laughs> guys left and and i stayed on the bus with with flogging molly and they had a, a band argument in in the oh, front shit. lounge which is you know yeah, I, was like, I think i'm gonna get out of here <laughs> and i went 
I was like moseying around this venue. It was like an outdoor venue in San Diego. And I fell asleep on the drum riser. Damn. Waiting for their argument to, to be over. To be over. And woke up. This guy woke me up, a security <laughs> guy. He goes, Hey, I think your ride just left. And the I could see the bus like driving away. Holy shit. <laughs> and it was like a venue at a casino. So and my phone had Bro. no charge. It was like, oh my That's God. horrifying. Yeah, it was brutal. So Damn. in that sense, uh, I don't miss any of that shit. Yeah. You know, I like going to bed early and, and just focusing on the show and, and, and the work. <laughs> <laughs> I have to mention your shirt, Tribe Called Crest, because we're talking about all types of music except for hip hop. So yeah. you're a hip hop head, obviously. Oh, I loved it, man. That era of hip hop in I guess it would have been the nineties. Oh, yeah. super into in fact the band be- that i did for about a year between step ahead and loved ones was this band the curse i have written on it we didn't talk about that yeah yeah it's a hardcore band it was like you know i'd watched kid dynamite and 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 was like trying to do that super fast with mashi parts yeah thing have it be melodic and well thought out and and it was good we we got a lot of great shows like we opened for a veil for a whole tour nice and we got to open for sick of it all and and we got to we actually played a show with fugazi at jesus at mac rock it was crazy like sick. in one year period we got to do a lot of cool stuff um but where was I going with this? That hip hop curse. Oh yeah. But one of my, <laughs> one of the best things uh, that ever happened to me was we played CBGBs. Okay. And I was walking out of the club and uh Q-tip was standing there. He was at the sh- outside of the show. He was inside the show. What the fuck? He had randomly come down to CBs and he saw us play. No way. And dude. I was like, it was such like a fish out of water. Thing That's so random. I was like, why is Q-tip here? We just played. Who was on the bill? Uh, I can't remember. It must have been Thursday or one of oh, those wow. bands. I can't remember. It was like that's crazy. Q-tip there, Max. Please get Stella. That's it, crazy. It was crazy, and I, I remember stopping him and being like, "I, I can't believe you're here. <laughs> I'm such a huge fan of yeah. your work." And he was like, "That was a really good show." Wow. It was like such a sweet thing for him yeah. to say. And and but yeah, that was in the curse. That's a, that's and we a, were like this jump up in the air, you know, fucking you know pounded out hardcore band and he was that's into a it. great moment he dude. must have been into the energy of it um i would have been happy with that like fuck it oh it Q-tip was incredible play. yeah but because like he's such a musical guy and so you know i get that he was he tapped into the energy of what we're doing but it's it was so funny that he was he was just chilling he was just hanging out so random at cb's man. I would love to see him at CBS. That's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't. You spent a lot more. I know. I saw CBS Madonna there. I met Madonna there. Me and Sib. Madonna was there one night. Really? That, that was wild. Max, please get Stella. I'm gonna cut this off the podcast. She's barking. Um, what was what was her? It, it was a night before Lollapalooza at Randall's Island in Cypress Hill and Booyah Tribe played there or something. We all rolled up. Yeah. And she was there with Guy Oseri, her old label guy from oh, Maverick. Yeah. And I had a picture for her on my wallet. My boy has a tattoo of her as well. And we just walked up to her. They were fans. Short of my tat. She signed my picture for him while it was stripped out. It was pretty- Whoa. And she just was there hanging out? Yeah. Oh, well, it's a legendary place, I guess. Yeah, then right? fast forward. Fa- thank you, Max. Fast forward, we played a blackout showcase there, and Guy Oseri and Freddie Demand pulled up, mm-hmm. and they were looking for like a hard rock band, and they checked us out. They, they came to see us play, and they ended up signing Candlebox instead. <laughs> But they came to see us play, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's crazy when people from that echelon kind of come back down to earth and are willing to like come into the rock clubs we're playing. And, Especially CBs, but yeah. um, what other hip-hop you like besides Tribe? Like, loved Wu-Tang. Yeah. Um, I love De La Soul. They were probably Best. one of my favorite bands. Love De La, um, man. It kind of, for me, I guess 
the I mean, I love Kendrick Lamar. I love him too, man. J. Cole is my two favorite. And J. Cole, yeah. yeah. But those are probably the two more recent hip hop acts. Other than that, Tyler the Creator's got a new record out. That's is that good? Yeah, I never really. I kind of slept on him, and I Me saw too. him performing the BET Awards two weeks ago. It was an incredible performance. Okay, but the beats he's using is straight up real OG hip hop beats. Oh, cool! It's re- and he's super talented. And the, uh, I'll check him out. That's what I've been looking listening to now. The new record. Yeah, because other than those other two you just named, J Cole and, and Kendrick. Kendrick, it was probably the last. I would be. I guess it would be like Jay Z. I'm trying to Love think. Love Jay Z. There was a long period where I was kind of not understanding what was even happening. Mm. Oh, you Con- like the Native Tongues vibe? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Tribe. I yeah. like Kanye. You know, I liked his. Yeah, I like yeah, the yeah. records that he made. I think he's a brilliant producer. But I, you know, he sort of lost the plot mm-hmm. socially. You know, I was a little like, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's he's kind of a hard follow. But mm. I love the like the roots are sort of the pride of Philadelphia. Roots know? are ill, man. They're fucking incredible. It, um, what's the what's the guy's main singer's name? The Black, main MC? Black Thought. He's like underrated. Like I've seen some incredible freestyles from him. Oh, he's one of the he, best. I think he's. I don't know if he's underrated, but I just. You know, he is. He I should get more praise than he deserves, man. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's that's part of the Philly thing. Is like he deserves more praise. What I mean to say, he's right. incredible, dude. Because they they sort of were always operating on their own wavelength, and they weren't. I guess they weren't really part of a scene, right? Like whereas. De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest, and they had more of Younger like, Brothers, the whole crew, yeah. yeah Native they Tons. more had their own, like it was a bunch of bands. Whereas the Roots kind of came after them, I think. I don't yeah. know exactly know the timeline. I love Beanie Siegel. But, oh, Philly. dude, you'll love Freeway. Yeah, yeah, there's a great story. My I was in my high school band. This girl organized. What was your high school band called? The we. Oh my God, I was in. Uh, we were called Vespertilian. This means it's, this is a creature of the night. It was a heavy metal band. I was in eighth grade. So I was really, wow. really young. I had just learned a couple of riffs. Okay. So they set up this, this school talent show for a Christian school. So we're talking about only a couple hundred kids that even Damn. went there, right? And suddenly, one of the bands on the talent show is a bunch of people we don't know. Okay. We're like, who are these guys? And there was some prize money. Okay. So my friend, I think what happened was my friend Kia... Uh, organized this to make the Roots some money because ah. the band was called the Square Roots. Oh, okay. And it, they went on to become the Roots. Wow. So we played, and and I think um, I mean it had to be Quest. Quest came up to our drummer and was like, "Hey, could I borrow a couple drums?" Holy shit! And our drummer had like Roto Toms and all this like metal mm-hmm. stuff. He had like all this crazy stuff because we were in double metal. kick pedal and shit. Yeah. And he he goes, "Yeah, you can use whatever you want." And he goes, "Well, all I want is the kick drum and the snare and the hi hat." And we were like what okay it's all you're gonna play yeah and they blew every band away even then this is probably Damn. 92 or something you know i was in eighth wow. grade. wow and uh and then they went on to become the, obviously the roots and, and Damn. one of the most legendary hip-hop incredible yeah you see beanie siegel hanging out or no no I, he's legit cat man supposedly. yeah he is he is um try the philly hip-hop those about it roots beanie Freeway. Freeway. Uh, I'm trying to think of before then, though. There would have been... I'm trying to think of somebody else, too. I thought that... Uh, there was... Um, oh, there was a big group. I thought it was from Philly, man. Maybe I'm wrong as far as hip-hop goes. It wasn't much. Philly had very few exports. Yeah. Until, like, sort of the indie rock boom that's happened in the last years. There's a lot of bands that have claimed Philly. Because, like... It was a cheaper place to move to than New York City, so you could go get cheap rent. A lot of people moving there now since the pandemic too, as well. True, yeah. Um, uh, do you think you can see yourself an optimist or pessimist? I think I'm. Are a, you a realist? I'm a reluctant optimist. 
<laughs> Meaning I always want to go towards the light, but but there's it feels like when I've heard you be interviewed and, and when I've hung out with you, I'm like, that's a real optimist. That's a positive, <laughs> a, a dyed-in-the-wool positive guy. For me, there's enough that's rough about the world yeah. that it's hard for me to fight through. I don't naturally fight through it. It takes me work. But I do believe that you want to push towards that optimism. Totally, yeah. So I'm reluctant in that my my natural bent is like, yo, shit looks crazy. I think we might be go, going down. Okay, let's steer the ship in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's but even of... in sobriety, you're probably more positive. Oh, absolutely. Because maybe like you're in a dark and negative place when you're wiling out partying, maybe, no? For sure. Yeah, Because yeah. it becomes a, a spiral. As I was saying, there's fun, but then it becomes a habit. You're waking yeah. up the next day. You don't feel great physically. You're not sure what you said. Did you offend anyone? Did you make a joke that that someone took the wrong way, or you or you Fuck. you let your 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 worst angels kind of come out? Yeah. And so you're you're sort of anxious about that. And then are you looping? And then oh, I'll have another beer. It becomes a pattern that isn't fun at, over time. It's yeah. initially super fun. Um, and so I think it's just dangerous, like any other thing. You know, yeah. like it, if you do too much of anything, it can be it can be a bad. That's a vice, a, you know. Yeah, that's the hardest you win is coke. Yeah, no, there were other not heroin though. No, I well, th- there were there were instances where that stuff was in powders we bought. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, where it's sure. laced or whatever. But I yeah. never took a, a shine to that drug. I um, even like when pills were starting to get really popular, yeah. people would have like oxycotton or scary or, or that kind of stuff. I I took them because it's what people were doing. But I never liked it that much. It was mm. more, I was more looking to, again, get like up. be social and get, yeah. yeah. Like booze is a depressant, but it also, it gets you loose. So you can like hang and talk shit and have and fun. You, and, and you're pretty honest when you're I mean, drinking alcohol, correct, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, you can, and you can like get to it. You can get to the heart of the matter. And and for me, the pill thing, I just think my chemistry isn't, isn't such that I liked it. It felt like I was in slow motion and I don't want to be in slow motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like coffee and fun and being up and going and... and you be, so you have, any daily, so it's like a, you have any daily rituals? Is that one of them coffee? It's my last one. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I stopped eating meat again. I was... Oh, I've been, shit. Yeah, about the beginning of 2019... Oh, no, 2020. I, the kids were a year old and I just said, man, look at the world. Again, that, that <clears throat> reluctant optimist thing yeah. where I was like... You know, you look at the climate situation, and it could yeah. be in bad shape. We are in bad shape, and we in, are. In that sense, I was like, "Well, I know it's not much, but if I take my money off the table for the beef or the chicken or whatever your carbon industry, footprint, yeah, then I'm doing something." And so I've been it's awesome. I've been doing that, and well, you were that before back in the day or something? Yeah, in and out of vegetarianism. Yeah. you know, early twenties. But I, I felt like in my early twenties, I just was eating like pizza yeah and, junk. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it was still junk yeah <clears throat> it wasn't like a healthy um a healthy option it's easy to become like a junk food vegetarian or vegan it's so easy totally man. well again we get in california you've got options dude you know? so many options it's so great avocados falling off the trees yeah and so but, you feel pretty healthy and you change up your diet and, yeah and so my only last like if you will vice coffee. would be you know i make a, a french press full of coffee in the morning i'm up early how early? Five? Six. Six. Yeah. My kids are up by seven, so I try to beat them to the punch, get a little coffee, and so I'm like ready with their, their food and their milk, and you know, they have their little almond milk, you know, to start yeah. the day, and, and we go on a walk, and so, you know, my wife will say, like, you drink too much coffee. I'm like, listen. <laughs> 
you have no idea what, what how much I've uh, whittled down my yeah. my my. That's your only thing. Yeah, it's my only thing. So how much coffee? A couple cups a day. It was well, it's a full French press, which is like eight cups. Oh fuck! So is it hard to sleep at night or just not? Yeah, it is hard. To, and this is the funny <laughs> thing: is I'm always complaining. Oh, I don't get enough sleep, and she's like, "Yeah, well, you drink coffee till noon." Caffeine yeah. stays in your system for 12 hours. Holy shit. So I'll try to go to bed at 10, start reading, and I'm like, man, I'm still wired. So it's hard. I know what the truth is. I know I, I should know. probably cut that coffee back too, but it's like sort of my last little, yeah. you know. But at the end of the day, like we were saying before we started recording, there's something attractive to me about like aging with grace. Yeah. And I think cutting the coffee back is part of that, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, there's friends of mine who have various struggles and, and one of the things I come back to, like if they're struggling with, with their diet or health or whatever, I'm always like, look, we're in our forties or, or, you know, what do you need? Soda? What are you, six years old? Know, you know, like stop know. it. It's crazy. I do see, I have some, you see people still doing that crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Man. And and again, catch I up to you, man. that's not the no judgment. I'm just saying, yeah, but it's, it's not like, the most positive approach. And, and, and again, my wife is a saint that way. She's like, Hey, that, that, why are you breaking his balls? Or, you know, be positive about that's it. That's the East coast vibe. It's man, the East coast vibe. It's, you know, it's like, it's tough love. It's me saying it. And what I'm saying behind all that is like, look, I love you. I think you should stop drinking soda. Cause I'm afraid for your health. I know. But instead I'm going to say, what are you six years old? So I know it was, it was hard. It was hard to, um, Working with Sick Ball, we both work with Sick Ball being roadies. And I always talk on the podcast. I had them all on the podcast. Just just their tough ball breaking oh, love. Dude, they, I they, loved. Gave, they gave me like a thicker skin, but they were doing it out. They were breaking your balls out of love because if somebody else broke your balls, they'd be like, yo, leave him alone. He's our friend. Only we can break his balls. You know yeah, what I mean? It it's was like, a weird thing. You know, <clears throat> it's so funny because I, oh, you, you, and there's a couple other people, uh, Maddie O'Brien, yeah, Maddie Boy, who, who, uh, who has dog wig printing, you, myself. There's a bunch of us that worked for them and went through that fire, you know, because they are rough on you. Totally. Um, but I appreciated it. And and being in construction is not this. It's sort of the same thing where, where <laughs> the plumbers are giving you a hard time, yeah. but, but they'll look out for you and they make sure, you, you know, your paycheck clears and all that shit. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's hard to get that out of your system uh, if that's how you've been you know treat it you i know, know. It, it's my weird. wife catches me sometimes like does she being that to somebody else what are you doing you you like when people do that to you like just like ball it's, breaking it's, and stuff. yeah it's it's fun to a point it's but been hammered into us though yeah it's true and and it, we're it's damaged a, we're damaged people man we're, <laughs> sick of it all did a lot of damage <laughs> they, to us really, they, dude <laughs> it's they're mentally fucked us for life for yep. sure. but now they come out to the shows and they're kind and and yes. you know they've eased with age like armand is yeah. uh you know he'll he'll give me kudos on the on new records and Lou comes out to cool. see us in New York. I'll tell you what, when you're playing an acoustic guitar and you're not playing, uh, you know you're not raging. There's no mosh parts. Like I'm playing, a, <laughs> I'm playing a different kind of music. But still, I remember we played the Gramercy Theater in New York. Great theater. And Lou popped up on stage to watch. Oh shit! And I, I, I still it's was my like, boss. Yeah, I was your like, boss, yeah. man, and just such a legendary hardcore frontman for like, sure. Like to me, they were just they were they were one of the the biggest entry drugs into punk rock. For gotcha, me. you for know you. They, they were or, or gateway drugs as they okay, come, you know, because they were on a major, and so you could get the BMG East West, yeah, and I could be like, oh, this is they were my 
they were how I opened my eyes to all of the hardcore things. That was your first New York hardcore, like love. Yes, it. okay. Sick of it all was big okay. to me. So even working for them, I was still pretty enamored with yeah. them as a band, and still am. I I, I think they're, they're they're every bit of the of the juggernaut they always were. But um, incredible live band. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. But they're machine. But it's but it is funny because on the other side of that, having worked for them, there's a couple of us that have gone on to to sort of bigger and better things. As far as I'm concerned, you know, like we both have careers and yeah. Maddie's got a career. It's it does feel good to to not feel like that uh, green little grommet yeah, roadie. Anymore, you know, yeah. you're like page of dues. Hey guys, where you know where where's the <laughs> catering? You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's and and we paid our dues and then some. You know what I mean? Exactly. And 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 then also having like the bouncing souls after them to kind yeah. of show me. The ropes, uh, uh, you know, a different kind of ropes where it was yeah. like not tough love. It was just simply love. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, Would you have a top five and like of any inspirational bands or musicians or was there somebody that did it for you that said inspired you to play music as a career or? Yeah. I mean, Bruce Springsteen still looms you. really large. Him and Tom Petty are probably Dope. because when I look back at the whole in my whole life, they were instrumental when I was a, a little boy, mm. and still to this day, those are the records I would put on. Um, Tom Petty's incredible too, man. Yeah, Joe yeah. Strummer and The Clash, yes. like all of his solo records in The Clash, those are huge influences to me. The Replacements, mm. and um, and then early punk, I still think feels the most visceral to me. Like I still love The Misfits and yeah. Minor Threat and Bad Brains. Like to me, those are the the sort of top three in that they they sort of invented that culture to me and made yeah. it made it so cool and then there's so many great bands our ramones ramones too huge because just songwriting wise it's so basic but just the so melody yeah yeah it's incredible um it's all, awesome all of those bands hold a big flame but then also just like big songwriters um, dolly parton is huge for me i love dolly i just watched a new doc it was great man yeah it's killer right she's she's punk rock i mean she's fucking yeah badass yeah I wrote a thousand songs or something i mean that is staggering dude um so yeah i there are those big sort of mount rushmore bands and stuff but i'm it, it's cool to be kind of at this age and just be so invested in my own craft like yeah. i'm so excited about the songs i'm writing and my like we've just made a record and we're already writing the next next batch of songs because i feel like i'm at a point where that's thankfully my job and so yeah. i'm really invested in in doing that and 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 I, th I guess i think a little bit less about the the influences these days and more about like the work ahead no for sure you know what i mean because th that feels like the foundation like yeah. those bands really helped me understand like what what i wanted to do yeah but now i'm kind of doing it so it's it's kind of wild what about you who who would be your like the ones that still loom the largest for you seven seconds yeah minor threat oh yeah dag nasty seven seconds. embrace fugazi mm -hmm. <laughs> um I mean, seven seconds is the most because the stuff they were singing about back then was nobody was singing about that type of stuff. You know, what it's I mean? incredible. I mean, Just everything about them. Getting to play some solo shows with Kevin, yeah, was so. I mean, I just felt like I was with like a guru of some kind, yeah, like somebody who got there ahead of everybody else, hundred percent. And he's such an awesome guy. He's so humble and kind, yeah. And the band was 
you know, even I'm trying to think. Oh, the loved ones did a tour with the Souls in Seven Seconds of the, oh, of really? the West Coast Holy early. Shit. I think before we released our first record, we did Damn. that tour. And it was just another one of those times where I was like, man, like we are so lucky to get to play yeah. with these legendary people. They, but they don't play now, right? There's no, no, there's no, no seven, seven seconds, seconds now, yeah. man. Yeah. But they just released Trust Records, just released the crew record re-release. Right, I saw Looks that. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, what, 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 is there anything the pandemic taught you? Or coming out of the pandemic? Yes. I think, um, again, like for me, I just want, I want to be in business. In a, If I'm going to be in the music business, I want it to be a family business. I want to work with yeah. my brother. I want to honor my children. I want my I sisters and my dad to to be proud of the work we're doing. I don't want to do stuff I don't want to do. I don't want to do stuff that makes money for other people in a way that's like exploitive. Yep. And um and even if that means it's a smaller, tighter knit situation, I feel prouder of that than I do like chasing the um the the, the sort of popularity dragon. Or, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like for yeah. me, I, I just, it ironed my resolve, like all that time at home with my boys and all that time away from my, my East coast people. Yeah. I was like, man, when we come back, it's all about them and everything else can kind of take a back seat, seat to yeah. that. It also just taught me that the way we were living before pandemic was crazy, mm-hmm. too busy, too much. Nonstop. Man. It was nonstop. And as it comes back online, it's a little, unnerving it is isn't right? that weird we were so used to that before but i'm not used to it anymore mm-hmm. it was like too fast a pace and so for me i think i want to like slow things down like i don't need to do all the stuff i was doing before i can just say no to things yeah and, and that, 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 that that's a power in itself to say no you know you always say yes to things but saying no is like feels good to be able to be, able to be in a situation you can do that. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? And and I think and if that means like certain opportunities don't come because we don't want to carve out the time, that's okay. I guess I can make my peace with that and just say here this is what I do. It I'm just a singer-songwriter guy who gets to play yeah. music and there's some people that come to the show and I can kind of lean on that in a way that that feels like dignified you know yeah. like i'm like this is cool i got my thing and hopefully it continues to grow and i can continue to do it and but it i just i really do think that it was hopefully in our lifetime we don't see another crossroads event like that where no. it's like you know, we were put on a serious timeout. Mother Nature put us on a serious oh, timeout. Dude. I mean, think about it, man. It's before pandemic and after pandemic. When we get yeah. up into our older years, it'll still be like like nine eleven was before. Yeah, yeah. Where it was like sure. pre and post. But I think for me, I I want to apply positive change uh, to my life and the lives around me after p- pandemic. I don't want to just get caught up in a race that. I There's no that. winner for it, you know? Like, I just want to, I want to enjoy life. With it my, takes too much energy, too, and all that yeah, stuff. It's like... Did you, do you get caught up on the internet stuff, too, or social media, or... I try not to. I yeah. think it's, I think it's, it's good for... Promoting? Promoting. I don't love promoting, and I don't love uh-huh. being promoted, too. Like, mm. I know when it's happening. Even people I love and I'm friends with and all that stuff, I... I kind of just need a break from it and and it's not their fault. No. Nah. But but for me it just it freaks me out. I feel like we as a species went on one date with the internet and decided to get married. Yeah. And now we're stuck <laughs> and we're going it's a great analysis. We're going oh, oh shit, you know like yeah. really that's what you do with your you know. So I I think 
It's pretty wild. I'm I'm kind of freaked out by it. I think it's a lot of exposure. And and you know, you and I come from a time when uh, there wasn't this much access nah. to people, and there wasn't nah. this much of a need. It's more mystery to people. Yeah. Yeah, and that's gone. I miss that. Me too. But I also do feel very fortunate to have the job I have. So I feel compelled to like you know reply to people and honor yeah. the fact that they're choosing to like you know like my music or listen or yeah. whatever so it's a weird balance for me that i don't necessarily think i have right and you have to kind of roll with the times too to stay i know stay relevant stay busy stay out there stay in the mix so okay let me ask you as this we question. get older we have to kind of roll we uh, do have to roll but like how do you like will you do you have tiktok no Exactly. I'm too old for that shit. Exactly. So, but they're trying to get me to get it, my friends. I can't. I don't know. Right. Well, I don't want it either. My and, son's on it. And I, yeah. I feel like it's something that's not for us. It's not, but I heard it's a wonderful tool to, you know. I know. And I feel like you have the you have such a like exuberant personality. You could go on there and make something great. I know. I just don't know. I'm already, I'm, I don't know. It's I'm too the much same more way. stuff, man. People try. I know. I know. I'm I'm to the point where I, I would love <laughs> I would love to make a cutoff now and go like I'm no longer getting another social media. No, platform. that's it. Like I have Facebook, Twitter, have and Twitter. Instagram. I don't have Facebook, but yeah, yeah. right. I don't even have a personal Facebook. I have one yeah. for like Dave Haas official, yeah. like where we like make tour announcements and stuff. But like, I don't want another one. It's it's. I have a weird <laughs> relationship with it, especially with my babies. You know, I see Ooh. these pure souls, and they're. You know, they're drawn to the phone like every other human. Or like iPads, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'm like, oh, this is scary too. But I do see young kids on there like playing video games and stuff. It's probably fine. I don't know. I mean, we don't know what it is. It's it's almost like... It's, it's crazy, right? It's yeah. It's like magnetic to them. Oh, and, and now, oh, how, I mean, I guess it's like 20 years in, right? We've had it for about like MySpace and all. Is it 20 or 15? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see like what kind of effects this has on humans. Yeah, I'm, I'm freaked out by it, but I, I try <laughs> to keep a balance... You know, like I have a thing on my phone where if I go over forty five minutes, really on Instagram, it tells me you gotta show me that shit. Oh, dude, it's they, they give it to you in the app. Like you can make an adjustment, and then wow. it'll tell you. And you can supersede it if you have like work to do. Like if okay. you're posting that day about something you're doing. Yeah, but like I think that's good because it's a reminder. Like go outside. You live in Santa Barbara. You spend way too much money on rent. Go to the beach. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like don't yeah. sit here on your phone because it I, is hard to get in rabbit holes, man. Sometimes or just anything. Did you see that documentary? Um, Woo, social. Uh, oh network? my god! No, no, that's not that, it. Yeah, yep. Was it social? That's a different one. Social uh, dilemma. Uh, yes. Wasn't Fucking that a trip? Scary, bro. How did you respond? And then I'm checking my phone <laughs> after that. Like I'm like, we're <laughs> sending people. You should check this out. I know. That shit fucked me up. And that shit was crazy, bro. I know. Well, because it was so true, you could I apply know. it all to your own life. Steve Jobs said he wanted to create like the extension of the human body, whatever, and that's what happened. Dude. It's, like, yeah, it's, it is. It is. You don't go anywhere with this phone. It's fucking crazy. I man. know. It's like Max Headroom. Like it, you go to bed before you wake up. The first thing you check. It can't be good. That part of it, I don't think, is good for me. Is is seeing it as the last thing, and then waking up and seeing it. The worst thing you do is be in, in the dark at oh. anything. I don't do that shit. I shut off every night. Like yeah, but it's just sorry. You have to separate like the real life, which is right now me and you, and then the online shit because it's, it's on there. Like it's not physical. It's so weird. Well, separate we, it. Yeah, we were talking about this before we started recording, where it's like we have friends and and people we look up to who have a persona online. That's yes. one thing. And that that, that kind of comes across pretty harsh. Yes. And then you you're hanging out in a room with them. It's like, normal. This guy's cool. I know. And it's it's so in that sense you're getting this very false version of the person or yes. this one dimension of it. Yeah. And I think that that's confusing to me too. Like, 
I, there's friends that on social media, I'm like, oh man, I can't take another minute of this. And then I see them, I'm like, yo, it's great to see you. Yeah. So it's 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 confusing to me. And it is weird too when people don't, people used to call and text, how you doing? I think some people scroll, okay, he's on the beach. Oh, he's hiking. He's healthy. He's good. No need to check in with him. Maybe I'll comment. Exactly. But that's not a real, that's no. not real. Like just always, oh, I don't know. It's weird. man. No, one thing I did learn too is like, if people ever shit talk you on the internet, They'll never say it to your face. Never. In a million years. You can feel like you have a hundred great comments and one negative comment or just whatever. Nobody's ever going to say shit to your face. It's, it's so, all it's fucking so fantasy true. That happened early on for the loved ones. We, uh, maybe on MySpace or whatever it was. MySpace, Friendster. Yeah. We played uh, DC, Black Cat, downstairs, small show. And this guy came out and he had like a little persona on punk news.org oh I, I remember was. that website yeah and he was a real fucker and, <laughs> and he he would go on there and be like Dave Haas does drugs and he's a and remember I, his name Matt Ramon yo <laughs> oh my god dude same guy yes <laughs> when our go record came out oh my god bro he's a troll he's a punk troll oh my god so I remember that fucking name dude he's a, he's he was terrible he just went. Was that a real person? Yes. I wonder who that was. In so real life. I ran into him in real life. Yes. Yes. Because again, we were small. <laughs> we had just started. He talked all this shit on a thread, and then wow. we, we went back to DC, and somebody was like, "Yo, that's that guy, Matt Ramon." So I confronted him, and I was like, "Hey, man!" And the craziest part of it was, he was just a dork. Oh, he was man. just like when you saw him in person. Like, oh, I feel bad for this guy. And and but. This was his way of like having some, some sort of power. Exactly. And that clicked for me. I was like, oh, this guy goes on the internet and Talk has shit. I remember his name everywhere, dude. Yeah. And, and, but in, in he the destroy us on that. Right. And in the room, what happened when he said so? What did he say? He backpedaled and he was like, oh, I mean, I just, you know, just, I mean, it, there was nothing really to it. I know. You, it was you can't almost do like, you feel bad. Right. Like the feeling, he was like, yo, that's the guy. He's going to talk shit to me in person and I'm going to knock him out and it's going to get on the internet, you know. But within seconds, I realized. Like a little kid. Yeah, he's a doofus. Damn. And, and so that part. So don't, of, don't take it too personal because he did that to everyone, he, it seems. Well, that that does give me some. some yeah, I remember feeling. that fucking name. I can't dude. believe that you remembered him too. <laughs> That's Ramon. Like I remember that. <laughs> wow. Right. Oh, and he was the furthest thing from a Ramon you ever saw. Wow. Like <laughs> so he, he was shook when you said something to him. He yeah rattled enough that that he backpedaled. He he wow. didn't double down or anything. He wasn't like yeah fuck you. Your band sucks and you party too hard. Which maybe that was true. I don't know. But the but it was it's like, like what's your band called, dude? What have you done of in the world of anything? Of course. That's why hey, people would say this. Like people would say this. Like, so what what have you done? Like what is your band? What have you sacrificed to make this world a better place? Like, all the people online like all popping shit. About everybody, you know. It's like, what have you done? Like, who are you? Private account, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's so corny. do you get a lot of that stuff? No, I do sometimes, but it's like, because if people that follow me know, but yeah, I feel like you have a positive thing you're putting out there that doesn't. Some people hate on you for being positive. You know what I mean? Well, doesn't... well, true, true, true. But you know what I mean? Or that you're happy, or that you're fucking. I don't know. To me, though, I I always just try to think of of it with a little bit of empathy because, again, you know what somebody else is going through, right? But at the same time, it's like. I don't know. But but when someone comes to see you play, they think of you as like Toby, this singer of a rock band mm -hmm. who's like up in lights. And, you know, same thing for when I'm playing. I People go, oh, my God, Dave Oz is playing this song and everyone's singing along or whatever. And they, they have a that they assume a different thing about you than what's true. 
Yeah. And so they feel compelled to maybe knock you down a peg or, or oh, I like this band better or whatever. Yeah. And I try to think about what it felt like to be that guy who had a miserable life when I when my life wasn't as good. I, I yeah. try to think like, ah, oh, he's just, this is about him. It's not about me. Totally. I'm, I'm happy to be here and I'm doing the best work I can do. Yeah. And this turkey is going online to talk some shit about something I did that people liked i know online online i mean it's not even real i know and but i do i do i do like the thing when people say like hey if they're talking good or bad about you they're actually talking about you still it doesn't matter there is a like point you're, you're still this you're still on their mind for some reason it's right like right rent strange. free i live in your mind <laughs> well i've seen people make make a comment about me and they follow me i'm like yo why do you follow me then it's so weird it's man. weird well again that's the thing with like a celebrity culture you know on, on any scale they assume they assume you're you're no different from a Kardashian. Yeah, you know, and but, but you and I know it's, it's not, there's nothing further from the <laughs> that, truth. That, that is interesting. So I do think like part of its culture and all that stuff. And I try. And again, this is I've worked at thinking about it this way, hard with therapy, with having a wife who's very, you know, up to the minute on on how to. She deals with the people who have miserable stuff going on. Yeah. So she'll. She might be seeing the poster, the Matt Ramon, you know, yeah. and she. I, so I start to hear about some of the sadness and brutality that comes into their life, and yeah. I'm like, "All right, well, if if I got to be the punching bag for one post, but they're humans just like you are too, as well. Exactly, but people don't see you as that, right? You see so it's more than that, exactly. And that's and that's what we wanted, yeah. You know, and this is sort of the byproduct of it that's not that comfortable. You know, it's. And I, I'm fine with that, you know? like Yeah, I, I don't take none of it personal. Nobody's ever said nothing to my face. Like, nobody, no. you know, like... No. And, and Blocking you, people does feel good sometimes. <laughs> it does. It feels very, very powerful. And, Get out of know. here. I know. It's hard for me not to engage, especially, like, during the pandemic stuff. With somebody... It was funny. Like, I... It was a good picture of my little son, Harrison, uh -oh. with uh, sunglasses on. He's really little, and we both had sunglasses on. I still had a mask on from walking down a staircase to the beach. And there, I was interfacing with people. People went berserk. What are you wearing a mask for outside? You don't know anything. And I was like, Dude, man. First of all, don't I can wear a mask anywhere I want. I know. If I want to wear it when everybody's well, I can. I know. Second of all, you don't know where I just was. Third of all, why am I why do I have to answer to you? I don't respond to nobody. That's one And I was, shouldn't have responded. And then I was in a whole dialogue about don't and then be the, And then they'll take your shit with a screenshot. Like, oh my God. So like, that's one thing I learned is like, do not waste any second of your day on responding to anyone, especially from a private account, especially somebody popping shit. It, what do you just delete them or block no, them? No, if I, if I it, like that, just don't respond because that's what, that's what they want. That's they, what they want. want. And then once you respond, they got you, bro. And yeah. Or if you respond, they'll go, Oh man, I was this kid. I'm a big fan, like something like that. It's just some weird get attention type. <laughs> yeah, shit. it is. It is. But it it, is. like, you're we're grown ass men with right. with kids and families and mortgages. Like, it's not worth our time. Trust, I I've got caught up in the same shit, but it's not worth the energy. That's man, good. Because, yeah, that's good. Because these people never say shit to your face in real life. They want your attention. They get it, and they know how to poke at you. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. Like, because you do put yourself out there. Right. But like when you respond, bro, and just you could spend hours on that shit going back you, know you can I mean? yeah and then you lost an hour with your kid or you lost yeah. an hour at the beach or whatever it's yeah. on the fucking phone yeah, exactly it's exactly. such a crazy it's crazy because at the same time you want to stand up for yourself yes but the people that are following you should already know everything about you and what 
everything you want them to know and they'll do the work for you to some degree when people if people were to pop off at you on your thing your fans would probably do most of the work tack the shit on yeah yeah and they'll be like hey what's your problem yeah i should have just left it at that but it's hard man because it's like i don't know because you want you want to defend yourself you know what i mean right but you'll never win it uh you're never gonna win an argument on the internet ever you're never gonna win it dude it's true and they win it when you answer them it's true too because you know one thing i've tried to use is what on that revival tour i was talking telling you about i remember at the last show chuck reagan pulled me aside and and i think brian was playing a song or whatever and he goes yo remember when we were little and we'd go (laughs) see social distortion and they were like the old guys doing the cool stuff and it was like there was no way you could be as cool as them because they were like older and cool so sick and i was like yeah he goes we're the old guys doing the cool <laughs> shit. <laughs> and That's I crazy. thought about it and I was like, yeah, I guess so. And and so in in that same regard, I try to think about sometimes if I'm if I'm spiraling out or getting negative or or getting on wasting time with this kind of bullshit. I, yeah. I try to think of like what you pictured yourself as when you were 40 or 50. Mm. Cuz think about that. Like what did you picture? You pictured a guy who would mostly you would hope who would have it at least together enough yeah. that you wouldn't fuck about with a internet troll know, or man. you wouldn't waste time fucking around, you know, it, doing whatever waste of time thing. And and sometimes that's my way of like resetting. I go, "Well, how should I be operating as a 43-year-old man?" Yeah. You know, and it, and it allows you to kind of go like, "Okay, that's youthful nonsense. This is I'm doing something that's and it shouldn't bother you now." Right. Because the same thing that Matty Ramon bothered you about on that website bothers you now on your own page. <laughs> because your own profile becomes like its own kind of message board, you know what I'm right, saying? Right, its like, own world, yeah. It is. Yeah, it's but true. But the only th- difference is you can control that. You, you can. can. You can block or delete or whatever. But it's crazy. Like I remember when message boards started coming into punk. I was like, it was such a bummer. Because the spaceless people were like keyboard cowboys, like, <laughs> you know, talking shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That was such a bummer. out. Yeah. The drugged ones. That's what that was one of the ones. The we drugged get. ones. Yeah, Snortaline Trio and the drugged ones just played wow. a show. Wow. Like, yo, yo, cool it. I mean, it's pretty funny. It was clever, but I was like, yo, I I got real pain. I'm nursing here. Yeah. Like, you guys think this is fun? I don't know. There there was a weird. I think part of it too is that we grew up before it all came to dealing fruit. with people face to face and having real conversations. That's all it was. It's so we talk shit, you approach them. It's, it was so different, man. There, there was no... Now I can go on Twitter and go, yo, 50 Cent, your shit's whack. And he I, might I, reply. I haven't liked your record since Get Rich or Die Trying. I could say something to him. Right. There's no wall. There's no barrier of respect. Just, you can say anything to anyone at all times. I know. It's and everybody has the opinion. Everybody has the power. Everybody has the keyboard. It's, it's wild. I'm saying keyboard. That's so fucking old. But you know what I mean? It's There's no... Yeah, it's a weird scene. It's a, it's a weird thing. Where I mean, we're just... We're in one of those leaps as a species you know i'm sure this they were saying this when like cars came in or or steam engines or whatever you know like things that ultimately fully changed the way you live i know that's what technology is we're just old too really we are we We just break it down it's like what is old talking you know what i mean right well that's so true and and again like i think about it like well what would tom waits do yeah. Is he playing around on the fucking internet? What would Ian McKay do? He's not. He's what would Ian McKay do? None of that. He's what would Q Tip do? He's, he's on the, the internet, grid. but he Q Tip is, but he, but he handles himself with a dignity that's that I w- that I strive for. You know, and same thing with like Chuck D or you yeah. know any of those like people you th- look up to that are a little bit older or a lot older. 
I've been just trying to think about it more like that as I age because I'm not 25. I don't, no. and I don't want to be. No, I don't want to be either. I love where I'm at. I love growing old. I love. You're doing a great job, man. Thank you, you raised, man. Raised Max so well. He's such a, you know, everybody sings his praise and, and you just. Thank you, man. It's so cool that you came from a scene kind of known for violence. Yeah. And kind of known for, I mean, there are a lot of. We all came from fucked up situations. That's why we into this music. You know that? Yeah, but you have made an, an impact on it that's really positive and really admirable. And, and Thank you. And I, you know, having lived in, like one of the reasons I, I got uncomfortable with hardcore was how many fights and tough guys and all that stuff. It just yeah. bummed me out. And I Scary. feel like, in you know, in a way, I just kind of chased other parts of my musical uh, yeah. in, endeavors. But you have made a positive impact by staying. And I think that that's cool. I think that, Thank you, that leaves a really great fingerprint on, on the genre. Thank you, know, you, man. Good work. Thank you. Well, I appreciate having. What can we promote right now? What's coming up? Depends on when I drop this podcast. You have to tell me when we drop it. But yeah. Um. Well, what's the, on the horizon? The new record is called Blood Harmony. Blood Harmony is the um, is the sound that siblings make when they sing together. When they have the oh, same, shit. have the same blood and you sing, there's a special kind of harmony that happens. That's for real. Yeah. Okay. Tegan and Sarah have it. Oh, I love Tegan and Sarah. Um, you know, everybody. Damn. So yeah, that's what the the records called. The Bee Gees have that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they sure do. Um, the Oasis has that. Oh, um, she right. It's like any any siblings, any or either. You know, I guess parents too. But it just felt like a good metaphor. It's a great name, yeah. For for like where we want to be. You know, yeah. we want to we want to sing in harmony together as people. I love it. And uh, so that record comes out October twenty second, and um, we are gonna play. My brother and I are gonna play. A bunch of record stores and various little shows throughout the fall to promote the release coming out because it's awesome. on our label. And what's then, your label called again? Blood Harmony Records. Oh, I know that. Oh, yeah, shit. Okay, yeah. okay. Which we just we just are starting it now to, oh, to put okay. this out. I thought it was the name of the record. Um, it is. Yes, the oh, name both. of the record okay, and sick. the name. Of, yeah, it's like again. It feels like our new flag we're planting. I love it, man. Going forward, and then uh, we'll tour with you know Dave House and the Mermaid, so the full band, uh, rock and roll show starting in Europe in um january of 2022 and we'll do all of europe we'll do all the a markets in america as they call them you know the major cities and do a proper tour and then uh you know by that time who knows what you know i guess it'll be festival season yeah there's so many so many shows happening everything's coming back so fast yeah so we will we'll really be promoting it to like you know doing the tour on the record at the beginning of next year. That's okay. Plan. And and we're rolling it all out in the fall. So if you could tour with somebody, open up for somebody, who would it be? Right now? Oh. I mean like a dream. Like oh, a, a dream list. would be Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Or Bruce. Uh, or Bruce, yeah. Um, in fact, Gary Talent, his bass player, played all the bass on our new record. Oh, fuck. It was crazy, man. Dude, yeah. One step closer. <laughs> it was crazy. crazy. He was so... That's dope. He was so laid back. He How was, old is that dude? Uh, 67 Damn. maybe pushed. I mean, those guys are all pushing. How, how'd seven. that happen? How, like, how do you know? Um, he, the producer, Will Hogue is a, is a, you know, big name in Nashville and he knew him. And, That's so cool. And it was cool because, oh, you'll love this story. So, <laughs> so Gary, his name's Gary Talent. Obviously everybody knows he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And yeah. he had a huge impact on the session because all these amazing session guys that played on the record were like, yo, we got Gary Talent playing bass. It's fucking it's cool. great name too. Um, yeah, and it's he lives up to the name. And <laughs> so we're hanging out, and 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 I had a song that I wrote 
about this kid Gary when I was a, a boy, right? Okay. We weren't good to this kid. We, we he got mm. bullied, and oh. I never stuck up for him. I participated, and it was like one of these confessions. Is it a true story? True story. Oh fuck! So this kid Gary got bullied. I still don't feel good about it. You know, you would try to reach out to him. No, because I don't know if he wants to hear from me. You know, I don't know, man. It's Thirty-five years later, I don't know. You know. I, we all weren't good to him. The whole class. It just was a shitty. That could thing. be very therapeutic as well, though. Could be. You know, like how people go back and they apologize to yeah, people when they were right, fucked like up? make amends and stuff. Anyway, right, that'd be sick. It could be, but so I figured I'd write Maybe this song, listening. and I and I tried to make it, you know, slightly funny in that I wanted to pull the ear. So the first line is "Don't name him Gary," and so the converse it's a conversation about you got a kid on the way. And you're like, I, I get that your grandpa's named Gary, but we ain't naming the kid Gary. He'll get bullied. I bullied this kid. Mm, like, I and, love that. And the whole chorus is hurt people, hurt people. Love it. So so I felt good about the song. I didn't know we were going to get Gary from Bruce Springsteen's wow. band to play on it. <laughs> so, so I go in and I go, Gary, listen, the song's called Gary. And the first line is don't name him Gary. Shit. It's not about you. And he starts laughing. He goes, Listen, I've been in this business for 50 years. I've learned don't take anything personal. Yeah. Even if it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. And it was great because I felt so awkward. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to play this song for this man whose name's Gary saying, Don't name your kid Gary. But anyway, it was super uh, fun to play with him. He was incredible. The whole, the, everybody who played on it. We had Jason Isbell's guitar player and Brandy Carlisle's drummer and all Brandy these. Brandy Carlisle, wow. Yeah, big. Big incredible talents that were really Cheryl Crow's keyboard player played on Damn. it. I mean, it was like it was such an incredible thing to get to have their talent on there yeah. and have them all be like, "We like the, the, these songs are great." You know, it's we, cool. It was really gratifying and, and just felt, you know, it's it's kind of one thing when your peers give you props, you know, when it's yeah. the souls or whatever. But it's another thing when these people who have Grammys and like fucking sick. incredible people are like, we love this song. This is great. It was really humbling and, and awesome. And so I'm so excited to get this, the record out and, and, and get it out into the world. Yeah. You came a long way, man. Thanks man. Came a long way from Philly, bro. Yeah. Well, yeah we both did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we made good on those. Now we're in California. Like those crazy. long, those long, uh, long nights for sick of it all ended up paying off. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time, man. This is an awesome convo. I appreciate you coming here. And Thanks for having me, man. It's been a real thrill. I haven't seen you in a long time. It's great seeing you sober and like you're in a great place. It's cool. Yeah, man. Let's hang. Now that I'm things sure. are open, we can... Uh, How far is Santa Barbara from here? Oh, it's only an hour and a half. It seems so far away, man. Yeah, well, in one way it is, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like it it's another so world. It's so sleepy, but we've got Oliver's Vegan Restaurant up there in Montecito. You should come up and eat. That's the one spot you got? We'll go out. No, there's there's three <laughs> spots for vegan food. Yeah, which yeah, there could be more. Yeah, but that's like fine dining vegan. It's like no, cross, it's kind of like Crossroads. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Davy Havoc when when they played up up there, Rise Against the AFI played Santa Barbara. We went there, and yeah, I'm yeah, sure he, he was up. all about Oliver. So I'm gonna check it out for sure. I want to come up there. Maybe my son goes surfing. Yeah, man. Bring I think Moon Paul up. Prolter's up there. Well, the shop I believe is closed unless okay. they moved it. They might have moved it. Yeah, I bought that's a, where it's based out of though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, where Vern works. Yeah, I bought a um, oh Vern for like t- fifteen years. Yeah. Vern worked at Powell. He still works there. Oh no shit! He's always going back and forth to Santa Barbara. Oh damn, we gotta hang. Yeah, I didn't realize this. See, that's the thing with California is like 
there's so many pals here that pals, you don't you didn't even remember like you know i have so many east coast kids though here yeah. yeah i just got well that's the weird thing about santa barbara too it's like it's another world and i'm in my wife's kind of bubble so i'm like so you're hanging out like real like real adults like kind of not from our world not as much and i miss it there's you're a like cu- the heavily tatted rock guy. Yeah, I'm the guy. Hanging out with the normal people and stuff. Yeah, and they're like, kind of cool. How's your music going? You know, It's kind of cool. I kind of like that sometimes, it's, having those conversations. It's good. It keeps you um, from getting too wrapped up in You know how it is if you're too wrapped up in music. Yeah. You feel like it starts to take an importance on that's not reality. Mm. You know, where you're I like, like that. And because a lot of my friends, like, they work jobs that are tough yeah you know and not that this job isn't tough but yeah. I, I do think like it's good to keep that perspective but i miss a lot of 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 those kind of you know hanging out with skateboarders and and yeah rock and rollers and oh stuff. you skated too right i haven't skated in a while because i'm a little to me if you if one bad fall i, know, I can't fuck with it and um are you skating i've been skating hard at cavalier's ramp in carlsbad yeah and now i i got i slammed pretty hard like two oh. months ago and it's finally better, but now we're supposed to have a session coming up. I'm going to be fully padded. I might get like hip pads this time. Yeah? Yeah, but I'm still doing my old tricks. It's oh, super nice. fun. To skate. Yeah, yeah. I was never, I couldn't really do tricks well. I, I was more just like, I like to cruise. It was yeah. kind of like when, when all my friends got into graffiti. I wasn't good at graffiti. I just went and smoked <laughs> weed and talked shit and hung out, you know? Yeah. That's kind of how I am with skating. I like to skate around, Yeah, but I'm not. Like, doing kickflips and shit. No, no, but I do love it and I do, but I'm worried about my wrists. You got to chill, man. Yeah. That's like your fucking livelihood, man. Like if t- like Tim and I, we would go on tour, we'd get done the show and go skate. Sick. And it was so fun to see the city that way after yeah. the show. But I just, I am worried about my hands. Have to be, man. Yeah. Especially at our age, we're fragile. Yeah, those little kids need shoes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, awesome, bro. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. See you soon. Hey, y'all. Liquid Death's been so kind to give me a promo code. So for your first purchase on liquiddeath.com, go to liquiddeath.com slash OLOC and you get a free set of koozies with your first purchase of H2O, still or sparkling. Uh, If not, you can try it also at Whole Foods or 7-Eleven. Use the promo code OLOC for your first purchase of Liquid Death. Thank you, Liquid Death, for your support. Appreciate you so much. Murder your thirst. H2O saves lives, y'all.